If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 23, sponsored by Nobody. Suns fan here with Sindarin and our third, sorry, our second guest ever, Mr. Sir Action Slacks. How are you? Hello. Can I talk about this? You guys aren't sponsored anymore? What happened? Well, things are happening. Don't worry. We have one for next week. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to take some breaks every once in a while. All right, Slacks. Do not oh, deliver yeah. on your old spots. No, they actually loved it. No, we did. We did. Glad, glad. But as you know, sponsorships have varying durations, Lex. That's right. That's, so That's how it is. What I want to do before we get started, because this is going to be similar to the no-tail interview where we talk about your life slacks and then we talk about Midas mode oh, towards God. the end. Then we have a little trivia session at the end, the very, very end that is. But first, I want to do something that I know you personally love. We're, Cinder and yeah. I are going to read a few reviews from the last few weeks. Ah. If you guys don't know, Slacks private messaged me one day. I think it was after like episode four or five. And he was very angry. But the fact that we were reading reviews on our podcast. Why, why does it anger you so much, Slacks? It's not anger. It's, just, it's the typical Suns fan, you know? It's just, I have to, oh, I've got, you only read the good ones, A, or the really funny bad ones. And then it's just, oh, I love this podcast. I love Suns fan. I love his smell, his taste. <laughs> I love everything about him. He's delicious. Have just you actually avoided mystical dick tugging? It's I love it. It's amazing. It's very you. <laughs> Have you actually avoided bad reviews? I don't think we've had one. We haven't had one bad. I, I mean, <laughs> I've avoided. So, so, what are we supposed to do? Like, 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 what do you want from us? You want what are you to feeding start... to Cinderin? Right. We've do you never want had people a to bad troll review? us or what? Like, we, no. we <laughs> drank the same Kool Aid, Cinderin and I. So let's get yeah. started with the three mm. reviews that we have, Cinderin. So you can take the first couple yeah. since they're shorter. Go ahead. Okay. So, all right. So, from we have, okay, let me see if I'm reading this in the right order. So, you want me to read top down, yeah? Yes. Okay. So, we have from Chewy322 from the United Arab Emirates who says, best podcast ever, best <laughs> podcast to sleep to. Thank you. There you go, Thank Slacks. You, Chewy. That's one. That's one for you, Slacks. Okay. Hope you're sleeping good right now. Five <laughs> stars, by the way. <laughs> Uh, next one is from Ogis from Slovakia saying, finally someone, excellent title, finally someone. First of all, this is a relaxed podcast to listen during work. Good synergy and obvious love between Sin and Suns fan. And finally, somebody asked no tells some relevant questions. It's like, oh. do you ever ask relevant questions when you interview people? You think? I, I try not to. Um, okay, good. Yep. Then, you know, then it, this is a great comment. Thanks well, the for first, the five stars. The first hurdle is actually recognizing who you're interviewing first. That's the first thing you got to get Shut over. Shut the right? fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're stupid. I All right. So and the final review to torture Slacks even more uh, uh -huh. from The Glosher from Canada. Good synergy. Sunspan and Cinder work well together. It's great listening to Sunspan be so opinionated and hearing Cinder respond with a voice of reason. 10 out of 10 will continue to enjoy Dearest Sunspan being wrong. See? There's some negative stuff there, Slacks. Also, helpful no, tip. 
This show doesn't show up when searching Dota 2 on Apple Podcasts. Don't know what you can do to change this, but could be helpful in getting more numbers. I was actually thinking about this. Maybe we just add Dota 2 in the name somewhere. Just makes no yeah. sense. We say SEO's things about Dota 2. Well, it's an esports podcast Fantastic. with Dota 2. How about that? Something Yeah, that's long. a very short name. We say yeah. things about esports and also with Dota 2. <laughs> that's right. I think Dude, that's, that's some good. clickbait. Really good clickbait, clickbait title. You won't believe our four. <laughs> you won't believe what game we're talking about, Dota 2. <laughs> All right, let's get started with this interview. I'm actually interested to hear some of this, even though I do know a majority of it. Uh, Sir Action Slacks, Mr. Jacob, tell us oh, where you grew up coming out. and what your life was like early on. Give us a synopsis of early Slackstom. If you will, I was born in the worst hellhole in the North America, Florida. I don't, uh, I've never told many uh, people this, but I am Floridian man. I am Florida man. I hated it. It was a um, every day was just laying on my bed, completely in the nude, sweating all night, begging for death. It is so hot and humid there. I hope I literally never go back. Spent most of my life down there. Uh, had a lot of movement when I was a kid, pretty much all over the U.S. Lived in Connecticut, New York, California, Florida, Colorado. Are those close around. to each other or really far away from each other? Because uh, I have no idea where the they place. are. All over the place. North, okay. southeast, west of the U.S., which explains my weird-ass accent. Got a little <laughs> New York in there a little bit. <laughs> Some no, of weird shit. Fucking talking. Got a little bit of the pizza in there. <laughs> nah, but uh, <laughs> childhood. <laughs> Nothing exciting. A lot of movement. A lot of poorness. Uh, grew up with a family, lower middle class to low class, in many ways, <laughs> and that was it. Poor my whole life. Two hundred bucks in the bank account until I was uh, about twenty three. Went to college, uh, and then the esports life uh, took off. So, wow. uh, yeah. So, what did you study? I studied uh, psychology and neuroscience after switching out from journalism and business. Went into Good school choice. with journalism, and then I found out that's fake. So uh, don't right. do that, kids. <laughs> and then and then you finished your degree, and you were like, I'm going to use psychology and Dota. That's right. I thought, do you feel what's like the you best succeeded? way? Yeah. People say I don't use my psych degree all the time, but yeah. I literally trick people into giving me money to play video I games. feel psyched out every time I'm around you, so it works <laughs> really well. Good. You know, the, psych the stories about you working as a psychology student were uh, actually quite fascinating. Um, you always bring out these little snippets. Where do you get that from? Where do you get your storytelling from? Is that something that was you were just born with, or did you learn through years and years of abuse? How does, how does that, yeah, that transpire? It was mostly loneliness and abuse, uh, telling <clears throat> stories yeah. so my father would stop beating me. <laughs> I was, <laughs> no, I don't okay. think it was that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I always loved telling stories. I always loved uh, doing stuff. I uh, Before I became an RA in college, I was very nervous around uh, talking with big groups and all that stuff. But I have like close-knit groups of friends and all that jazz. So I kind of went through like a... Uh, reimagining of who I was when I was a freshman in college. I like hated going and talking to people and being social. I was a huge introvert, still a big introvert, but I pretend to not be. And uh, I just took a job that uh, was basically the opposite of who I was. I just signed up for it and I said, I'm going to do something and see if I sink or swim. And I've kind of lived that life philosophy since then. So I just, I took a job where I had to be super social, put on projects, do a bunch of weird stuff with people that I, 
never met before and put myself in uncomfortable situations and then it worked. So I've got to give that advice to people. If you want to be better at something, I say just jump head first into it. And if it doesn't work out, who cares? So I don't can know. Can you okay, this might be a really difficult question to answer. Can you yeah. give can you give a concrete example of some time in Dota that you feel like your degree really came in handy? Like oh, where every it made pub a, game where it made a difference. Yeah. For... I mean play style, literally every game. If you're playing hard support and ranked and you don't know about psychology, you're probably not gonna win. <laughs> your play style doesn't matter in Dota 2 ranked. It honestly doesn't. The thing that matters the most is identifying which one of your teammates is the biggest baby bitch and then like making sure that they feel they get what they want. Sometimes you have to be really nice to somebody and be like, oh man, I think you're doing really good. Keep it up, keep it up. Sometimes you have to piss them off and say they suck and then they have to work to prove you wrong and then they win. People say I'm toxic in games. I'm not toxic. I give personalities what they want. If they need the stick or the carrot, that's what they get, baby. Some so how do you games. how do you identify that? This sounds like something I could use. How oh, do you identify somebody as a carrot or a stick guy? Very easy, very easy. Go for first blood every single game. Uh, every single game, I say, guys, we're going to the top room. We're going to go get first blood. You know what this means? It identifies three different things. Who on the team is going to listen to you, the people that go up on first blood? Who is going to complain uh, that you're talking or just has a negative attitude? And who's going to completely ignore you and go down to the bottom rune? I can, in the first three minutes of a Dota game, identify who's going to work with me, who's going to be in team fights, who I need to support, and who I need to abuse. All from that first blood, baby. Just give your team instructions as soon as possible and see how they react. That's psychology. Where, where do I, I fall channel? in that exactly? Because I, I feel like I sometimes go for first blood with you. And then the other half, I just ignore you completely. That does, uh, the, uh, statistic, uh, the statistics of the psychology, the experiment doesn't work more than once. Oh, okay? I see. Uh, once you understand <laughs> what I'm doing, it doesn't work. See, Shannon, do you remember? A... Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, Purge is a great example. The first time we did this, he said, this is completely irrelevant. We have zero <laughs> chance of possibly getting first blood. Then he went bottom of Spectre, and he died by himself. And I knew at that moment... <laughs> That is how he's going to play the rest of the game. He's never. He's not going to do anything. Work with the other boys. All right. Uh, no, I, I was going to say, Shannon. Remember last episode when we talked about deep learning? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think we could make a model around Slacks. Like he I could agree. be the base of the deep learning. What and is he can deep help, learning? He can help Valve identify player types after three minutes in the sure. game. So they can be placed with like-minded people. Or that's probably a bad thing, right? You want to mix people up. If you have five of the same personality in the team, it's bad, no matter which one it is, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could have the five most supportive, happy players in the world, and they're all usually play position five supports. They're all helping each other. That team's going to lose. All right? You always right. need one guy to be that crazy fucking weird asshole that goes off and farms on his own. That's good. I like is that purge. purge. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Purge. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Actually. Identifying the playstyles of people is how you win. It's it is not about <laughs> gameplay. If you have a leader on your team and the other team doesn't, you will win Dota games. Nine times out of ten. No, I, I believe it. Is, I've seen you play. I definitely believe that skill is not taking a part in your wins for sure. What? Uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, before we get more into Dota stuff, I do want to cover some of your earlier life still. Can you go over your sure. employment history? Everyone knows about. Um, oh you know, Outback Steakhouse. But can you take us maybe before that? What what did you do for work? What was your first job? Sure. I, uh, well, growing up without any money means that, uh, you know, 
you're kind of on your own since uh, you're like 10 or something. Uh, pa- parents yeah. pretty much stopped buying me any food since I could, you know, speak. <laughs> so I was kind of well, off, off my own. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> even since like elementary school, I used to be that kid that was like working at the cafeteria to be able to pay for lunch and shit like that. And it pretty much went up from there. And it was like two to three jobs, uh, whole life going from middle school up to college worked a whole lot of jobs uh illegal construction underage building playgrounds uh let's see illegal construction how does that (laughs) i need to hear more about this what did you construct playgrounds illegal so illegal playgrounds well no i was underage uh building so you were a minor in a playground (laughs) building playgrounds for the other kids to play (laughs) yes it's that must have been like the biggest tester for it you could test that it worked because you were the target audience indeed how how does that happen then like how do you get a job underage how's that even a thing uh you can actually get a worker's permit if you're working at a middle school and a high school um saying that like you know get it signed by your parents and get like a piece of paper saying that you're going to school and you need to work for financial reasons in america so really Uh, yeah i worked at a pizzeria when i was like 15 cutting and dicing pizza and Watching people's arms get shredded off, which is a fun story. Uh, yeah, got, sounds fun. What else did I do? <laughs> yeah, worked at a movie theater for a very long time, which was a super fun job. If you're in high school and you're thinking about what job should you get for extra income, go for a movie theater. It's great. Meet a lot of people, meet a lot of girls, get free entertainment, always have something to do for free on your off time. But I thought you hated job. talking to people back then, so why was that sure. enjoyable? Oh, yeah, it was great. You just slink into the movie theater. <laughs> it just did. <laughs> we used to have those movie cleaning uh, crews that go in after every movie was done. And it'd be like eight of us uh, going in and cleaning up every film. And then uh, there's so many kids you could just like stay in a theater for your entire shift. And they wouldn't <laughs> notice sometimes. It was great. <laughs> the worst experience of my life, though, was the SpongeBob movie. That was when I was working there. When you're working that job and you're going in at the end credits, cleaning up the theaters, that first song on the end credits, you have to hear it for eight hours. And it was a SpongeBob song, the best day ever. I had to listen to that fucking song for eight hours a day for a month. I hate that movie so much. I never saw it. You know, holy this, shit, that triggers me. That reminds me of another story that you could briefly tell. You uh, hate, is it you that hates Nicolas Cage? I love Nicolas Cage. I hate Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. But... Sorry. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Tell us Nicholas why Cage. you hate Matthew McConaughey. No, that's a big story. And I get physically upset <laughs> when I tell it. I'll tell it at the end, but I get in a bad mood for hours. I fucking hate Matthew <laughs> Good. McConaughey. All right. Well, we'll take right, it anyway. off from there. Okay. So, so those are your jobs. early jobs. What else? Yes. Worked at a coffee shop, Celestial Seasonings uh, for a lot of years. Outback Steakhouse, of course, was a big chunk. Worked at a, oh God, a Mimi's Cafe in the mornings. Don't ever work waiting tables in the morning. Jesus, it's so bad. Uh, worked at a retirement home. Worked at a, uh, some nursing stuff. Retirement homes and tents. If I can give old, any How advice, old are you? Huh? Now? How old are you? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of secret information i am now i was just thinking we're we're up we're up to like 22 jobs by now so (laughs) either you have the jobs for like one month each or you were doing five jobs at once yeah yeah i think in in college i was doing like 32 or 34 credit hours and i had three jobs i was an ra jesus i worked at a coffee shop and i worked at outback steakhouse how's that even possible that's life when you don't have any fucking money dude (laughs) when you have to pay for college it's horrible 
And uh, yeah, that's how that you sounds, do it. That sounds incredible that you managed that. Incredibly honestly. shitty. <laughs> yeah, well. No, I'm just kidding. There's a kitty. It's a testament to what you can pull off when you're crazy enough. Yeah, so. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, if nice. I could give any advice for jobs, if you're a young kid watching this, or even if you're like in your midlife, have a job where you have to serve tables or something when you're in customer service. So you can see the kind of people that you don't want to be. Like mm. learn to see how people treat other people and yes. then say, I don't want to do that. That is perfect. Uh, I would say everyone should spend a week working at a re- uh, an old folks home <laughs> or a retirement place so they can value life. Um, when you're around people that are on the end of their life cycle and they're like 90 years old and it's just over for them and they're just waiting for death. It's very interesting to see those people and think that's what's coming. And it helps you live every day to the fullest because you're like, that is going to be me. So that's mm. important. And then do something that you actually enjoy. Those are three jobs you should do in your lifetime before it's over. <laughs> Still working done, on number three. I've done <laughs> <laughs> I've done two out of those three then. <clears throat> Not the old person home, but I completely agree with the customer service thing. Even though I yeah. could never see myself waiting tables, like that sounds like the apps. Like if I had to pick something that is the worst job I could possibly do, that I'd feel most uncomfortable doing it, it would be waiting tables. Like I would rather be like a janitor or anything. It doesn't matter what. Wow. But like I, I did a lot of tech support, so you get screamed at a lot. So I do know, bless you, by the way, I do know how to like when I'm on the phone with customer support, for example, I know how to talk to them. I know never to get angry. Like you don't be yeah. passive aggressive. It doesn't actually get you anywhere. What you do is you call in and you ask for the supervisor because you have to understand the person you call can literally do nothing. Right. You just skip <laughs> to the highest. Pl- then when you get to the supervisor, you're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I need to speak to your supervisor, sir. I really apologize. And then when you get to that third level, that is when things can actually get done. Huh. That's tech support in a nutshell. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah. Now, waiting tables is actually, I would say that doing that for eight years, it's almost like a crash course in how to do on stage stuff. Because every time you're playing a character, every time you go to a table, I mean, uh, one table will scream at you and be super upset. And you have to drop that instantly when you go to the next table or you don't get any money. And it doesn't matter how upset you are or, uh, you know, if somebody stiffs you on a $200 check, your next table, you have to let that go and you have to get back into character. So I would think that waiting tables actually helped a lot uh, to prepare me for where I'm going. I also liked lying and fucking with my tables a lot because it's a lot of fun. You just, every time you go over, you tell them a different life story. You say you have kids. You say you're married. You say you're from Australia. You just make shit up. It's, it's a blast. You can barely do an Australian accent. How would they remember? How would they, under, uh, how would they believe you? I counts, mate. Oh, dear. Crikey, mate. That's all you can say. It's a kangaroo on the wall, right? It's didgeridoo. I don't know it's fun, though. It's a good job for a psychopath. You just go over and just be like, oh, my, my kid's in the hospital right now. He's a little hurt. <laughs> yeah, you just see how long you can live with the lie. It's fun. <laughs> you only got it for 40 minutes, so you just go through. And that's how you but, met yeah. your wife, right? At Outback, that's I believe. That's right. That's right. I lied to her and said I was in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, no. Yeah, that's a long story. I did forget one, a very important one, cleaning houses. I did that for mm. uh, about a year and a half to two years. There's nothing more motivating sitting down on the floor, cleaning some rich guy's toilet and just thinking, what a great job. You literally just vacuum and clean counters and just think and think and think about everything that you want changed in your life. Very good job if you're lost in, Hmm. you know, don't know what direction you want to go. 
clean houses. Pays well, gives you lots of time to think. Interesting. Yeah. It's easy. Too. But you're not a clean person yourself. How does that translate exactly? Well, you know, that's why it's my job, you know, after <laughs> you don't bring work home. <laughs> well, in that's all fairness, he did talk he did talk about role playing as part of the waiter job. So maybe you can like role play being a sanitary person for an hour. Yes, yeah. as I do. I don't think I role play very well. When I was at TI, I was wearing an artifact shirt. I walked over to a bunch of Valve guys, and when I walked away, I heard one of them saying Oh, Jake, Jake fucking stinks. <laughs> and then I, I turn around. And I said, hey, what, what, do I smell? And then they go, yeah, you stink. Take off that fucking shirt. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, when you wear it every fucking day, what do you expect? Hey, I love those Jesus Christ. You know, when you tried to convince me, uh, my favorite story is with Bulba, actually, because he used to wear the same shirts every single day. And he would try to convince us that I just have eight pairs of the same shirt. And we look through his fucking luggage, and there's one. There's nothing. He wears one shirt for an entire week. Anywho, I actually do have ten of those artifact shirts. I actually, and I do believe is, you. It is. You just true. stink them up They're real rare. fast. <laughs> uh, it is true. That fabric does not breathe. Anyway, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> so uh, yeah, tell us about your your gaming as a kid. What did you play early on? How did it transition oh. to Dota? I was addicted to video games from a very short age. So addicted that I decided to make it my entire life so I could never stop. I loved it. First game I ever played was I went over to my friend's house, played like Top Gun on the Atari. Fucking great. Mm. And then I just kept going from there. Game Boys tried to get them. My first console was the N64. Loved that game. Super Mario. Hold on. I'm sorry. I need to stop. You went from Atari... To Game Boy, to N64. What happened to like Super Nintendo and Nintendo? Go to other kids' house, you know? Like that was the N64 is my first console that was at my house. Okay. My poor parents, they said, maybe we'll uh, get a video game machine so he stops watching so much TV and then he'll actually go outside. Well, (laughs) amateur mistake. TV was gone, it was all gaming all the time. Again, Super Mario, Torok, uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back on the 64, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Kazooie, fuck. And then we went from there. Got a uh, 360 for my birthday from my best friend in high school. Thank you, Matt. And then uh, I got addicted to uh, the Orange Box. Mm. And I love Team Fortress 2 and uh, played it every single day on the Xbox. Became like a kind of competitive player on the Xbox. Saw they were getting all these updates on PC. Really wanted more hats when the Man Economy update hit. When I found out they were trading Dota cosmetics for two refined on Team Fortress, went to Dota, hated it, played Dire Tide. Thought it was fucking <laughs> stupid. Then I got really mad that I couldn't win. Then I got addicted to Dota, and the rest is history. PC gamer ever since. Wow, that's incredible. What a. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> what a gaming story. Goodness. That's a lot of different games, though, that you've played. How about you, Sindrid? What's, what's your game? What was the first gaming console you started? I think on? you. I think you misunderstood the purpose of this show. We're interviewing you. Well, I just. Um, I'm interested. I like listening to pro players how they got in because it's right. like you know. That you know, I don't know if you know this, Slacks, but I was a pro player once. Nobody fucking. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Counter Strike. Fucking dance. Every time uh, there's even an inkling of competitive play or Counter Strike on any. <laughs> This I mean, idiot I, has to break it up. I can do a pretty, I can do a pretty quick breakdown, so it won't take very long. Break me down. So basically, we got our first computer at home, I think, in 1996, because I remember mm. it had Windows 95 on it. 
Um, oh, so at that time, I would have been, I think, seven years old. <laughs> and something really surprising, my parents were generally, they were pretty protective, you know, it was very, uh, yeah, they were just safe. But for some reason, they got us Command and Conquer and Diablo when I was oh. seven years old. So I was playing those games as my first computer games outside of, you know, the classic just fucking whatever was on Windows 95, like the snake games or the pinball 3D or whatever the it was pinball. called. <laughs> yeah. um, whatever it was at the time. Um, so yeah, so I played that. you didn't start with console. Had, That's amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the chronology because I did have an original Game Boy and I might have had the Game Boy for like two years before PC. It is possible. I, we did play Super Mario 1 on the Game Boy. I don't know when that came out. Uh, and I remember playing Super Mario 2 and Pokemon Yellow. And I think those games are from the 97 something, the Pokemon Yeah, games, 96 or yeah. something. But yeah, I've for the most part, honestly, my whole life I've been playing uh, PC. I've never had a console at home outside of Game Boy. Wow. I've had a Game Boy and a Game Boy Color. I think that's it. Or Game that's Boy Pocket. Between the, Those are the ones. <clears throat> between the two of you, what yeah. is the most obscure console or gaming, anything gaming related that you've had? Because for me, I don't know if you guys even remember these. I had the Game Gear, Sega Game Gear. It's like, it actually looks exactly no like idea a Switch, what that even is. except it doesn't get taken apart. <clears throat> It's just yeah. a Game Boy screen. It has the controllers here. It was like way before its time. And then the other one, which was even more before its time, and it was actually awful, was Virtual Boy. I had a fucking Virtual, virtual Boy. boy? Oh Do you know what that God. is, Cinder? No clue. <laughs> so Virtual Boy was literally a V... You could call it a VR headset, whatever. It's something you put on your face. It was the most uncomfortable shit. <laughs> Everything was red. Everything you played was the color red. And it hurt so bad to play, but it was a lot of fun for the two weeks that I was able to stand it, the pain. It was like, it's like going in to get that eye exam and they put uh, the puffs in your eye, you know? It was uh, like that. But imagine doing so that bad. for six hours, just beating red, just pounding into your fucking red. I love Mario Tennis, man. What can I say? Just had to beat him. <laughs> the most obscure gaming thing I had was a link cable between Game Boys. That's the most ex obscure thing I had. So You're very so boring. vanilla, Cinderin. Extremely so vanilla. boring. Excuse I just, me. I just can't think of anything. You cannot uh, evolve Abra to Alakazam without a link cable. I so. got the full Pokedex in yellow. This switch. fucking I guy did got it. it. <laughs> I did it. I'll I pretend to know what I you guys are talking about. I had to trade with a friend of mine. We were trading. Did you get missing no, bro? Did you go for it? No, I didn't do that. Uh, Good. I think my friend did have a bugged thingy though. I remember playing against each other, and he had like some weird shit, so he probably had it. I don't know. Anyway, all right. Unless you yeah. have something slacks for obscure video games that you've played or obscure. No, I don't. I, I always went to my friend's house and stuff and tried to and saw stuff and that was it. But you did try no. the Virtual Boy at some point. Oh yeah, I've tried a lot of stuff. I, I've been out there in the wild world of gaming. I've seen a lot of that weird shit. So I always used to love the. Uh, Nintendo peripherals, those are my favorite. When Nintendo just launches some fucking stupid thing like the Wii Fit Pad, and they're like, this is the one. The Wii Fit Pad. <laughs> and it's, ah, those are great. You remember when they had the Wii and they had like the Call of Duty gun and you put the two controllers in? Like, who right. thought of that? Who thought that that would work? I love Nintendo, I man. I mean, they're a big hit or miss company, right? When it mm -hmm. hits, it's fucking massive, though. All right. As Switch is evidence of. All right, so let's get into Dota 2. So you, you, Play Dota 2 for fun to start Dire Tide. You get angry that you suck and you start to play a lot more. You get obsessed. How does yeah. how does that work exactly? Like, what is the time period? Dire Tide came out what year? Like 2012, 2013? Yeah, 13, it was Dire I Tide 1, I think. Okay, the this first one. This is when one. I started. 
Yeah. And it was a uh, it was great. I mean, there's been more than one. Yeah, there was yeah, one. Yeah, there was more. two dire tides. Uh, there was the dire tide that they liked, and then the dire tide that they had to put on because the community was pissed, and then no. they were over it. So. Oh, I thought <laughs> it was tide. the same one again, actually. Okay. No, no, no. Very different. The second dire tide, they didn't give you free shit. So, well, very upset. <laughs> oh, maybe very that's different. why the community didn't like that one then. No, that's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hmm. So, anyway. dire tide was literally the first Dota you played? Yes, yes. Wow. I uh, watched trailers for Dota and I said, wow, this is the first Valve game I'll never play. This is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Because you see like that zoomed out thing, you see the creeps. The first time you watch it, you're like, what the fuck is this? Because I played Command & Conquer 2 as well, like, you know, uh, three, like God mode viewing of units. And I thought that's what it was. And I was, this is so f- dumb. And then I went and played it and I, uh, I saw what it was about. But uh, yeah. I always love Valve games. I always love Valve products. And I was like, this is just awful. <laughs> and now I was wrong on that. If there's one thing I know that I'm very bad at, it's judging video games. Like what I think is going to be bad is typically good. And what I think is the best game ever is typically horrible. My favorite games are Fallout 76, Artifact, <laughs> and Dota. <laughs> so, oh, one out whoops. of three. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I so remember thinking League first, was going to be the disaster. Hero? So this is something that when you ask people, it's really hard to remember. Like, if you ask me what the first hero I really liked in Dota was, I honestly don't remember because it's so long ago. But I bet for you, you can remember. It's six oh, years ago. What was the first I hero remember. you fell in love with? So my buddy from Team Fortress 2 uh, got me in there. He was a uh, a forum moderator by the name of Jinobi uh, that used to moderate the uh, Steam Power user forums on Team Fortress 2 where I would write fan fictions under the name of Sir Action Pants. Very embarrassing but my first, uh, you know, video game stuff. So I went in there and he said, okay, I was a combat medic in TF2, a competitive medic player. He said, I'm going to have a a combat medic class for you. You're going to play Juggernaut. He has a healing thing and he attacks. It was awful. Healing ward sucks. And I said, give me somebody that could actually combat and medic. And he goes, well, there's this one hero, Omni Knight, but nobody really plays him. Like, that's my boy, combat (laughs) medic, baby. That's how I started. Daddy never stopped. I play Omni Knight yesterday, bitch. It never ends. <laughs> so, yes. And that's also, Omni Knight's also why I got into esports as well. Because back then, before, this is around TI4? Like, eight months before TI4, I think is when I started playing. Nobody picked Omni Knight. He was horrible. And then uh, somebody picked him in a pro game. It was EG. It was uh, Mason and Universe. Did a Storm Spirit Omni Knight combo. And all my friends told me about it, and I watched that game, and I was so excited to see Omni Knight winning a game, and it got me hooked into esports, that game. So, yes, I do remember my first hero and how it changed my life. Thank you, Mason. Shout out, baby. <laughs> all right, but, so yeah. what what happened? How did you go from that, which is very honorable, to enjoying playing techies? Is that oh. the psychological part again? It They are actually a very similar hero. Um, I like when I, I feel like I'm a nice guy in real life. I try to do the right thing and try to be a really good person, but you could be anyone you want on the internet and really in video <laughs> games, I want to be the biggest piece of shit in the world. It's how I play all my heroes. Omni Knight isn't about saving my allies and making sure they're okay. It's denying other people happiness. Repel <laughs> back in the day. Right. It was just like, you do your ult. Ah, and then one guy is just, what? How did he, nothing happened. That's why I played Omni Knight, denying other people's happiness. And then Techies is just a natural evolution of that. The, I'm surprised. It is the prime. 
yeah. <laughs> denying other people happiness. All nine, in fact. That's indeed the one up that Techies has on Omni Knight is that usually teammates enjoy playing with Omni Knight. <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody enjoys playing with Techies at all. So you know what? It's clear true. upgrade. But that's because Techies players, people always get them wrong. They think they're there because they don't want to have fun. And they Techies players want to win. That's what's most important to them. They want to win so bad, they will keep the game going for two and a half hours until they force their teammates to learn how to play their heroes and win the game. There's no getting out of it with the Techies. You will win! That is why Once I they learn how to play 4v5 is what you're actually referencing here, right? Back in the day. Now Techies can be a hard carry late game, and that's the best part. Even if you don't Doubt. have teammates, you can 1v5. It's great. <laughs> All right, so you get into Dota. How did you start doing content exactly? And what was your like early? I remember some of your early content, but it's, I'll ask it anyway. Yep. What was some of your early content? <laughs> well, when I started playing Dota, I uh, was bad, as everyone is. And I was playing with my buddy, uh, Lieutenant Burnside, who also worked with me at Outback Steakhouse. He was a line cook and I was a server. So all day, we would just scream at each other for fun. And I'll come back with an order and be like, these people said their steak sucks. And he goes, well, the steak's fucking, you took the order wrong. Shut the fuck up, Bernie. I'll see you tonight. They <laughs> <laughs> just take out our anger uh, playing. So, yeah, I was playing with Bernie. I was awful. And he, um, I used to do this thing where I would do these voices in Team Fortress 2 for fun. And uh, he said, hey, you should, uh, you know, do some voices and stuff so people stop making fun of you in Dota. So I did. I played a lot of Gyrocopter. He's still my worst win rate hero. But I just did the gyro voice every time because you can't be mad at somebody when they're like, oh, I got a missile, whoopee! And they're just, you can't flame that guy. But every time they're like, gyro, you're fucking garbage. Whoa, thanks for talking to me. I'm lonely. <laughs> it's like, you can't get mad at that. And I found that tilting is the number one thing that loses Dota. So if you try to be a non-tilting force, you're probably going to win. So uh, yeah, and I started you're... doing that. And that behavior didn't tilt people ever in your experience? No. I mean, come on. If you're really mad at a guy and then he's just like going off on some fucking insane rant on his microphone. I know I can't hit creeps, but I can't give a good hug. Sorry. <laughs> like, I would just imagine guy. that at least two out of your four teammates muted you after you opened your well, mouth the sure. first time with that voice. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of contributes to tilting. Uh, but I, I guess Maybe. if they mute you, they... Like you said, they don't get angry anymore then because they can't communicate right. with you. I suppose I mean, that is a strategy. It is good. Damn, I so, should have um, studied psych. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Bernie said, hey, why don't you record these because these games are super funny and put them on YouTube. So I opened up a YouTube. I put them on there for the first time. I put them on the Reddit, which was my first Reddit post. Was uh, I think trying to just putting up my thing and be like, I make dumb voices. Here you go. And I, I was doing those one day a day. It was a lot of fun. You know, you go play a Dota game, play four of them, record one, go to Windows Movie Maker, make that video. <laughs> yeah, I remember you used Windows Movie Maker until very recently. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only like I a couple years ago. You Hell yeah. I think I stopped <laughs> using Windows Movie Maker at the Manila Major. That was like one of the last times I stopped. I That shit is so quick, and I still say it is. Those other programs, they're too intense. If you want to just get clips out there, cut them and paste them, Windows Movie Maker, baby. But anyway, awesome. yeah. So that was basically the beginning. And then uh, it actually breaks my heart. I really love doing that content. I, I cannot do it anymore because it's not like you go into a game and I start making some stupid voices and people are like, oh, it's lax. And it's like, mm. ugh. 
Right. Back when they had no yeah. idea who we were, it was so much funnier, like the actual things. Uh, so I still do it when I play new games. Uh, you know, I'll go over to like Rust or something and make some kind of horrible voice and play a character. You know, fun fact, me and Mott, we started the fucking GTA RP mm. shit. Remember that? We did that shit like five years ago. And then now people are starting to do it for real. And it's you could have been huge if you just stuck with could it. Could have done it. Poor Mott. He just did not want to be a cop anymore in GTA. <laughs> but no, man, it was great. I wish I could still do that content, but it's impossible now. Yeah. Now you could get like a voice changer, I guess, but it wouldn't have the same. Nah, we tried that. I, I, one time uh, these this girl approached me and she was doing this project showing like women in gaming and stuff. And she hired a bunch of guys to do a female voice changer and play games and talk on the microphone and record their reactions. Mm. So I did that and I streamed it. And someone said, you sound like a uh, kind of manly Sir Action Slacks. <laughs> so, yeah, with the girl filter, apparently it's not more manly. So That's I don't incredible. think there's any getting away from this voice. <laughs> That's terrific. Uh, all right, moving on. Do you remember the first time meeting Cinderin or me and or both? Oh, I think we legitimately the first time we talked is when you invited me to do Fails of the Week, I think. Suns fan. I, I remember meeting you, Slacks. Maybe. I'm curious if you remember it, too. I remember where and when. Wow. Because I was going to say, I, I have no this. recollection of ever meeting Slacks. Suns I feel like maybe we met at a TI me. or something, right? No, I didn't no? go to... I went to TI4 as non-talent, and that was the last TI you've been to, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> Continue, anyway. please. Continue, please. please. I was a professional player once, you know. Huffman <laughs> contacted me uh, when Reeves was leaving. He said, hey, uh, I think he said that we're looking for someone to replace to, I mean, to do something on Fails of the Week. And I got super excited. I made a demo reel. I like took a Fails of the Week episode and I put myself on it, like redoing it and stuff. And that was it. And Suns fans like, well, you're the only person who responded. So <laughs> That's a lie. It, that is a lie. <laughs> You're Suns literally said, yes. If, yeah, he said, if you don't do it, I think the show is dead. So that's true. Good luck. I mean, you either have to do it or the show dies. And I actually was super scared because I love fails the week, and I didn't want it to die, so I had to do it. For I think uh, we made. I don't know if we made a public post or not. I know I private messaged you though specifically to ask yeah. if you could do something. Uh, and you were the only person that showed any... That's the first impression I had of you, is that you had the initiative to actually do something. Because we get... You, me, Cinder, and everybody within the scene gets a bunch of emails from people that's like, how do I get into the scene? How do I do this? How do I do that? The the real answer, it's not anything special. You just got to do it and improve upon it. You got to take the initiative and actually do something. Take some risks. And that's something that I saw on you, that you just sent us the fucking video. Actually, I, did, I don't even think I asked you for it. I just mentioned that we might be doing a fails and you just sent me something with, I think it was Burnside doing the other one. Yeah, it was right? me and Bernie doing a fails of the week episode together. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. So yeah, that was the, is that really the first time we spoke? That's, I think that's so. I, I, huh. I think you just messaged me out of the blue because of the, my stupid voices videos. They were starting to get like picked up and all that. Cinder, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I don't remember the first time we met unless it was at TI. It was not. Five, but what was it? It was at ESL One New York. 
Oh no! Every- it was your it was your first event as talent, if I remember correctly. I yes, think you were like, I know nobody here, and I went into the talent room, and you were just sitting there at a table. And I came over, I'm like, hi, and you, I, I just remember you being super humble. You were like, I can't believe I'm here. You know, like that's classic new guy in the big yeah. scene thing. You were just super humble and you, you didn't want to step on anyone's toes. You're just minding your own business. And I think I remember after the first day of work or whatever, we were walking back to the hotel together or whatever. I and, remember this now. Oh my God. That's right. We, we walked, we walked back past some food stalls or whatever. Maybe we got a hot dog. Something tells me that yes. maybe we got like a bit of food on the way back. And to you, that was just a really important moment. And, and I thought it was, it's always funny to see that kind of thing. And then you think forward a couple of years and now it's like, we met next event we met it was like we had known each other for very long and it was nothing special anymore right but that first oh. encounter is always really funny with new i was people at esl one new york right? did we not meet no i remember center in though that was yeah we walked back and the whole crew was in front of us and i was just walking alone and you you slowed down to talk to me cinder and then we got food together that really made my life thank you buddy I, I, completely I take credit for that. everything now, actually. It is. You're the kingmaker. It was up to you. ESO <laughs> New York. You know how many people I've talked to that that was like the starting event for their careers? It's like Cap was at that. I went right. there. Grand Grant was there in the background. Zayori went there and he hosted and he threw away his career. Um, <laughs> there was uh, God, Malk was that. Those two events, ESO 1 New York, probably started more Dota careers that are now like kind of top tier talent. And anything else except for Zayori, uh, <laughs> which killed him. But what an event. That was crazy. That's what happens when you do NA lands. Fucking dreams get made. All right. I just got a very important message from Nikki saying that we definitely met at ESL One New York because she apparently has a photo of you, me, and Cinderin at ESL One New York. So we definitely oh, met. Damn. I don't believe and neither it. of us can remember any of it. I don't believe it. And neither of us I, the, drink, the, so there's no real the reason. Really, the really funny thing about this, Shannon, is that I don't remember you being there either. <laughs> I don't think you were there. So Slax and I had a great time together, there's and you were just there. There's two one New Yorks. That might have been at the second one, Sunset. No, one, the no one, one that was a disaster. That's the one that I went yeah, to. Yeah, well, so there's two disaster ESL one <laughs> Oh, shit. They All were right, both well, bad. Well, this one was 2014, right, Jake? I think it was. I 2014. That was Maybe. one of the only events where I've seen an organizer crying. I remember the <laughs> I buy power PCs. There was like a five-hour delay, and the representative from I buy power was in the back room, laying on the floor, <laughs> head in his hands, crying. It was fuck. Holy I was like, shit. "Is this esports?" And it turns out it was. There was always someone crying. Oh, we'll, at every we'll get to that a little later in this interview. <laughs> anyway, God. moving on. Talk about. Uh, the first TI you attended and how you trend, like yeah. how did you, you, you supposedly sneaked in. I don't know if that's actually true. It is true. It is true. Okay. Tell me about yeah. it. I will. Can I tell one more story about ESO? One yes, New York please. Before move on? Please do. So there was the schism. All the talent there was like join Dota and um, BTS talent. And we all went out to dinner for that first night. And I got this message from this guy and he says, Hey, we're at a pizza place. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm at this dinner, and <laughs> it's like, holy shit. And the guy that messaged me, he was like a Valve guy. This is like a dream come true. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I've got to go meet this guy. And I'm. this is my first time meeting anyone. Zoe, Malk, Toby Wan, Merlini. And I was sitting across from Merlini and Toby Wan, 
I order my steak. I get this message and I look them in the face. I look at Merlini in the face and I go, guys, I got to go. And they're like, what do you mean you have to go? This is our in, uh, this is our orientation dinner. And I was like, I, there's somebody I have to meet and he's super important. And they're like, what? And then it was the most awkward thing. This is literally the first time they met me. I just got up and left. And uh, the situation steak. with all the no, steak got ordered. It was like a, a fancy restaurant, like a $90 steak. And I fucking. It peed. was nice. That place was nice. I gave it all up to go meet this Valve guy, but I was confused. I thought Mott worked for Valve. It was Mott. <laughs> so I went to go eat pizza with Mott, Gerg, and some other guy from High Ground TV. And I was like, this is, this is the connection right here. <laughs> Me and Mott. I'm like, these guys are really weird for Valve, dude. <laughs> for like an hour and a half, I ditched all the talent to go hang out with fucking Mott because I thought he was from Valve. I didn't know until the end of the meal because they were shit-talking the event the whole time. And I'm like, guys, uh, is this kind of normal for Valve employees? And Mott goes, Valve employees? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that incredible. was really bad. Merlini didn't talk to me for a very long time. He thought I was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Which... So anyway, that's that a quickie incredible. from ESL One New York. It was real <laughs> bad, real bad. All right, and then on to your TI. Yes, uh, they snuck in. So uh, TI was before ESL One New York, of course. Uh, the uh, the fabled uh, Kickstarter. I was making those stupid voices for Dota Two, and my power two hundred dollar power bank, the like, little power cooler thing on my PC died. So I made this Kickstarter for or Indiegogo for two hundred bucks. Went to work at Outback Steakhouse, and for some reason, the community raised like 12K. So I was blown away, and I said, I'm going to spend every penny on a streaming PC, and I'm going to go to TI4, and I'm going to film it, and I'm going to experience esports. Because again, I started Dota 2 in Dire Tide. I had no idea what the international was, what esports was, so I thought I'd just jump in, and I spent every penny of that 12K going there. And it was uh, it was nuts. In fact... Um... <laughs> I got told a story uh, last TI. Uh, I didn't have a ticket, of course, so I just flew over. I didn't try to buy a ticket, so I just kept sneaking in. I kept going to the VIP in Key Arena, the upstairs, like as often as possible because I was trying to get those good interviews. I really wanted to meet like Purian Flax and all that shit. So um, I got told this story by Eric Johnson um, last TI. He said, the first day I was here, he like heard about me coming and stuff, and I was standing behind him. And the ticket guy was checking my ticket and I was just lying through my teeth like, oh my God, I have my ticket, but it's in there. And he, EJ's standing in front of me. EJ is some like big wig at Valve, you don't know him. And he's just hearing me lying for like 10 minutes straight. And then I finally get in and he's like, yeah, I thought about saying something, but I thought it was really funny how hard he was trying to get it out of my head. So I was just like lying through my teeth every day trying to get in there. And I was literally chased. Um, we would be upstairs and these guys on scooters would be coming through and they started to recognize me. And every time they would find me, I'd just, just like turn around and start walking really fast and they'd come scooting in. Uh, one of my best interviews was with Zayori. The first time I met him, I ran into this talent lounge or uh, one of the suites. I ran in there and I was looking for a place to hide and I went in the bathroom and Zayori was in the bathroom washing his hands. And I had my camera guy and I was like, hey, you're Zayori, right? Can we do an interview? And we did an interview in the bathroom and we shut the door and we locked it oh, <laughs> to dear. Hide from the scooter people. And so that was the first time I met him. I ambushed him in the bathroom. 
So later, anyway, <laughs> wasn't the after last the whole time. event got done, yes, I uh, I got a ticket eventually. They finally just gave me a, a pity ticket after they confused me for an employee and had me be security for Dendi, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so Dendi's signing session, I'm back there, and I said something like to one of the security guys, I'm like, oh, I'm one of the guys at Valve. I don't have my passport and stuff. I'm working in the back. Another person heard that, and they were like, I think it was like an old Valve employee lady. And she goes, oh, hey, are you one of the contractors? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she said, could you uh, run to watch over Dendi while he's doing his signing session? I'm like, yeah. And then everyone just left. <laughs> so I was in charge of Dendi's what signing the session. Fuck? And I was like, who the fuck is Dendi? <laughs> interviewing people about Dendi. And I'm like, this guy's pretty goddamn popular, huh? Dude, this is, this is, really, this is really fucking fake it till you make it material. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really good. <laughs> that's really good. Indeed, I do. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, Dendi, like, talks to me later, and I met Bruno there, too, and I was, like, talking to him about shit, and I tried to lie to him, and he's like, you don't work for us, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> oh, shit. and then I turned it into an interview, I was like, but how could I? <laughs> so, anyway, so, yeah, long story short, I made some friends over there, and I got invited to go to Valve later uh, at the end of the event, because they were cool with everything, and I go in, and all those security guards that have been chasing me the whole time, they're all there. And it turns out there was no security guards. I was actually being chased by Valve employees trying to kick me out. <laughs> they were on the scooters. And they saw me walk around. They're like, what's that fucking kid doing? <laughs> it was like, what event? Holy shit. Don't ever do that. After that event, they have upped security substantially since TI4. I'm sure. They'll tase you. Those are, the, those are the ancient days, the medieval times, if you will. Yes. That was like the 1950s, like when the, you know, the, the guys are. That was the first TI in key. <clears throat> right so it was the first it was the yeah. first ti that valve had in an actual arena before that it had been in the benaroya benaroya hall right it was a concert hall basically yeah symphony orchestra hall so yeah i guess every time you run a, an event of that scale for the first time you probably don't exactly know how to do it so a couple I mean, people slip through right the cracks hide in the bathroom man you you <laughs> are really good at finding opportunities though i gotta say I mean, <laughs> so you take that opportunity, you make your own content, you start getting a little yeah. bit more popular and then take us like a, give us a cliff's notes of the next couple of years. So yeah, after that, um, the stuff got noticed by a dude from ESL, uh, Kennegut, and, uh, he basically made my career. He said, Hey, I really like what you did at TI4. I want you to go to ESL New York and do it for us. Um, I think it'll be fun. It's a risk. We've never done anything like that, but let's see how you do. So I show up to ESL one, New York. I do it. They play zero of my content pieces because there are so many issues. I figure they hated it. Um, I went up to him and I was like, Hey, could, am I doing a bad job? And he's like, no, we can't play content. We, we have delays. And I was like, well, don't delays mean that you need filler content. And he's like, well, I don't know when the matches are going to start. What happens if we start playing one of your pieces and then we have to cut it halfway through. And that made a lot of sense day one, but on day six, I was like, <laughs> so I figured they hated it. I did not invoice them for the event at ESL. They, <laughs> I was just like, really? oh, Jesus. I'm fired. I never want to go back. And then, uh, yeah, after that, I got hired for another event and then uh, another and another. And then uh, shit just kind of went from there. But it was uh, the entire career was made off of two things. The community randomly supporting me. And saying, like, show us what you got. And then one guy saying, hey, let's give this guy a shot. 
So uh, really owe a lot to uh, those boys at ESL and owe a lot to the community at large. And I think that's why I'm always so motivated to do what I do. You know, there's like guys like Cinder and guys like OD. They just have natural talent. They go out there. They're good at what they do. And then you have guys like me. You're good that, at what you do, Slacks. I mean, I became Don't talk yourself what I down. do. But at the beginning, I was fucking random. And it was just people giving me a shot. So, Oh, man, you have always been good at pretending. Don't. Thank you. It, it comes it's... with a psychosis of being a serial killer. Not... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's crazy. And there's a lot of people that, you know, it keeps you humble, too, because I'm sure I'm not the first one that ever tried to do something like this. And there's a lot of people that probably fell through the cracks trying it. So I don't really think that it was a eh, skill. I think it was a big combo of luck and being able to meet those oh, expectations. You, you position yourself to benefit from any good luck right that's the whole sure. idea i mean that yeah. everyone needs a little bit of luck for sure okay so we get to ti5 time that's when we start moonduck and you were just a lowly employee at that time you weren't even like an owner or anything like that you're just <laughs> you know you're just like at the like, ah, i asked I you includes, to come to the meeting because i was a lonely oh yeah that's right i do remember said, that. all right relax. it's been nice talking to you but i have to go to a secret meeting now and i go could i please come and you're like, well, not really. I don't. We're we're really doing something new and innovative, and I don't really know it. And I'll be like, I won't say anything. I'll just be in the corner. It's not exactly God, how I'm, it went down, but close enough. So, close. and then I, of course I start the team, and then we. I think yeah, I started them at the same time, and then by the time it was yep. TI six, you became a sub for DC, and you That's were right. I remember there were some issues with. I don't know if there actually were issues, or it was just what you thought there might be. With Valve thinking that you were, you know, had a little bit of, you know, conflict of interest, so to speak, because you're a sure. sub of a team and you're working the event. Take well, me through that. Well, that was my first one. Yeah, at uh, at TI five, I got hired by the Swedish <clears throat> broadcast team. I don't know why. <laughs> I had never met any of them, and they had me work in that event. And uh, yeah, so I went there as kind of not talent. I was like doing interviews and stuff. And then TI six was when Valve was like, "Yo, we want to invite you." And uh, one, I don't know, Bruno. I got invited by somebody, um, and I heard that Ice Frog invites people to TI, so I got invited to TI, and then um, I was like, I'm not going to go unless Ice Frog invites me. And then they said, okay, well, you're not going to go. So I said, oh, I'll go. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and I, I hunted Ice Frog ever since. But uh, yeah, so I went to TI6, and there was like, like, oh, I'm technically a sub, and I technically shouldn't draw this much attention to it but i will say grand finals of ti6 i had on my suit and i had under it my dc jersey <laughs> and i told casey i was like listen if, if fucking if dc wins this i'm ripping off my shirt and i'm screaming dc's name and she's like you'll get in trouble and i said i don't care <laughs> i'm doing it so i was ready to give it all up if dc won that final so in a way you saved my life sons man thank, thank god you. we lost <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the end of me, but All right, so, yeah, it was um, it was crazy. So, I know this is a weird like people ask this very generic question, but I feel like you actually say the truth instead of just copping out. At sure. what point in your career did you feel like you made it? Like, all right, I'm actually a stable. Whoa. This is a stable career now. I would say that one's actually really easy for me. Um, it was before I got hired for any of the events. I went up to my boss at Outback Steakhouse and I said, hey, I've been streaming on for a while and stuff and I've been playing these video games and I was a manager at Outback and I said, can I have two weeks off? 
And I just want to see what would happen if I jumped into this all the way. I didn't come to work, didn't do anything else. They said, you want two weeks off to be a manager. Okay, fine. But, uh, you know, we might have to like reduce pay and stuff because that's kind of a long time and it's not really a vacation. I said, okay, if I can make more than $30 a day, which is what I make at Outback Steakhouse, then I'm going to do this. Wait, hold, so I'm, I'm sorry. We need to pause. You make yeah. $30 a day at Outback Well, on Steakhouse? the weekends, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you make a lot. That waiting tables, that's why it's like, it's an entrapment career. Because you always make enough to pay all your bills and it's not mm. hard. You work like four hours a day. Some days oh. you make 30, some days you make 400. It's like, you so have it's no not, idea. It wasn't a full-time thing then. You're not doing 40 hours a week. No. Well, okay. yeah, I worked every single day, every night, um, except two days off and then I worked the weekends. So it was like, aggregately, I had to make $30 a day for it to like even out. So I went home, I streamed, I told my stream, I was like, guys, take it two weeks off. Let's see if this fucking works. I'm going for it. And I made a lot more than $30 a day. So I never quit Outback. I just didn't come back after the two weeks. <laughs> and I was one of the managers there. I just ignored all the calls. I streamed every day. Have you returned my manager since? I was not happy. He, he took my didgeridoo in the back and he broke it in the parking lot. Months later, I was told. So, <laughs> what the fuck? I was hated. <laughs> anyway. I was so, yeah, that say, was how one... do you know he was angry if he never returned his calls anymore? Well, but. I went back for my dingeridoo. <laughs> That's what happened. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I knew I made it then. I, when I when I made more than my job um, doing that and just streaming, I, I really miss those days, kind of just streaming and not going to events and just building that community, uh, streaming every single day. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what I knew. I made that my biggest goal. I, I live my life by like short obtainable goals and long impossible goals. My long impossible goal around then was to get hired at TI after TI four. I was like, I'm going to find a way to be part of this. And then TI six happened. I didn't fuck it up that bad and it worked. And then, uh, yeah, the next unobtainable goal was like, you know, Let's see if we can work on the back end of TI. Let's see if we can help make sure. Let's make my own tournaments. So then, yeah. Did so that what's your long-term goal? goal now? Owning Valorant? I, I don't know. I just got done with the last <laughs> term goal fucking uh, three days ago. I just finished that one. So I have no idea, but we'll probably get to that later. President of the United States. Easy. I <laughs> hope not. Although the, the market is right. Memes yeah, are in. It is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think you've got a good shot right now. Thank so you, you, you. you've been involved in a lot of different productions, both behind the scenes as content maker on panel. You've even cast, unfortunately. Of all those things yeah. that you've done, by the way, we didn't actually get to cast at Midas Mode. I just no, realized. No, we that. were I'm supposed sad. to, but yeah. the fires were rising too yes. much. <laughs> of all the jobs that you've had, if you had to choose one to continue to do, like what gives you the oh. most joy, do you think? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I, uh, I don't actually enjoy stuff when I get good at it. Um, and I think that's one of the worst parts about my personality, but it's also one of the parts that motivates me the most is like, I love doing things. I love perfecting them. But when I feel like I actually get really good at something, I hate it because it's just, I'm not learning anything. I'm not like challenging anything. So, um, I don't think I can answer that question because I like things like, Making content at events, of course, that's great. And I feel like it's something that didn't really exist too much before I got to the scene. Zoe was doing a, a good job on that. Um, but, you know, it was few and far between. So after that got kind of done, I don't know. I guess right now I'd say hosting a little bit. I, I liked it at, uh, mm. they had me host at 
in Paris, MDO Paris, and that was a lot of fun. But I don't know if I actually liked that or if I just liked it because it was a new challenge. So, right. so what do you think was the hardest to get good at? Oh, panels good, really hard because I'm actually super stupid. So like. <laughs> Knowing what to say on a panel when you're like a fucking divine player is tough. And it's like the only role you could take is the dumb guy role of being like, you know, without saying in my pubs, but just being like, I wonder why they do this. But I guess that's part of panel is trying to figure out how to make the smart people talk. That's really the entire goal of the panel is coaxing people like Cinderin to speak words of genius. Uh, so yeah, I don't take much an in initiative on my own. I really need... <laughs> to be filled up to talk. Yeah. I don't That's like what this talking. podcast is all about. I, I hand you yeah. everything on a silver platter, Cinderin. No, yeah. we actually invited Slacks to finally get me to talk after 23 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, I don't know. I It's uh, the hardest thing out of all the jobs. Definitely, I will say event organizing. That's tough. Mm. But I mean, it, it's a whole different world from talent. Talent's so easy. They tell you, go here, do this. That's a piece of cake. Right. But when you're an event organizer, then it's like, fix this now or everything is lost. That's a lot more pressure, you know? Um, but it's what interests me the most right now because, as I've said before, when you make content a video, you've made someone a cookie. And they eat that cookie, they enjoy that cookie. But that's it. The cookie is eaten. Uh, but when you're like producing an event, when you're making something, you're making an experience. You're making a feeling. And that's so much more involved. That's like making a bakery and they walk in and they smell the cookies and they see the cookies and they love the cookies. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot harder. Mm. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> now you going forward, fun. do you have any specific goals in mind? I know you said you don't haven't really thought about it, but like, have you thought about expanding to other games? Cause I know you've done uh, like a fighting game thing recently and you yeah. did PUBG, which people really hated, but you loved yeah. that. They hated it as it. well. <laughs> ah, it's great. <laughs> I think it's important to uh, expand. Uh, I think a lot of people get caught up in um, I'm good at my job and I should stay good at this job. I should perfect this job. And that's like, I always take every opportunity I can to go to a, something besides Dota because you learn so much. I mean, looking at other esports and seeing how they do it, what works over there, what doesn't, and bringing that back in the Dota is, I think, huge. I would love to work any esport event except for a league event. Uh, just to be able to go and get that information. How come? Yeah, fuck League. <laughs> fuck Riot. Are you, are you saying that because you have to because you're a Dota fan? Hell or no. do you genuinely not like it? I generally think that uh, the way they conduct their business is both like uh, strangling on uh, their talent, on their teams. I think it's fucked up. Uh, I think that, what else do I not like? Just the general attitude of steal things from other people and pretend like you don't, you didn't do it. I don't a lot know. of sexual harassment shit going the on there as well. sexual harassment. <laughs> they try to cover up the sexual harassment. There was that story about some guy rubbing his balls on people's faces. <laughs> the fuck is that? So no, not a fan. Not a fan. Is that I true? Also, I don't know if that part's true. Is yes, that... it's true. There was a there was a sexual thing where this guy was running around putting his balls on people's faces, <laughs> slapping their butts. There was like a community manager or something at the office. What the fuck's going on over there, man? I don't know. So somebody was I, on I'm, some coke or something. No uh, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I love how Valve makes their system for Dota because it is true capitalism. 
everyone is on the same playing field and those who have the better ideas rise to the top and those that don't peter out to the bottom and they have very little control and people hate that because it's like valve is giving us no direction on the dpc fuck direction okay you guys make the direction find the best product and other games like riot they just say this is the way we're going to do it we're going to do it exactly like this nobody innovate let's do this korea has won again what can you do next year (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's horrible so no they however right if you are listening if you guys pay me two million dollars hire me and i will shit talk dota every single day all right i'm ready to cash out at any moment baby i'll play dota my off time they had an opportunity to buy the midas mode map but they chose not to for whatever reason you missed out all right I kind of like that approach, though, Slex. I think we should pitch to Riot to sponsor our podcast that talks about Dota as well. People yeah. are so stupid. I think it's good. Honestly, you should. If I was in a video game company, I would hire other video games that are the same as mine, very similar, and I would sponsor them. It yeah. makes perfect sense. That is the target market to drag people from there. Yep, Listen to them, the Blizzard and Riot. And this is the only time I'll be on the podcast, so you can forget about this episode. But next time, it's all yours. All right, last question before we get into Midas mode. Oh, and man. again, hoping for no cop-out answer on this one, Slacks. Me? Do you have any no, major regrets Woo! career-wise? Joining Moonduck. That <laughs> <laughs> really fucked it all up, didn't it? <laughs> no. Moonduck joining was not a regret because I said I would work for you guys if you got me a laptop, which you did. And I used that laptop for four years making content. So it was definitely worth it. Worse. The the biggest regret in Dota 2. Getting into tournament organizing. No, no, I don't regret that at all. A lot of fun. A big challenge. I love challenges. Uh, God, that's tough. I would say balance is my biggest regret um one of the things that's that personality type where you're never satisfied and you're always going towards something else that's really fun for you but is that fun for your community not really so much i mean if i really wanted to i could have a i think a much better youtube audience i could have a much bigger twitch audience i could have a much better uh, event going audience i could branch it out out into other games but i lack that balance to just say you know i want to do this i want to be this and i always keep trying to grab to something else because it's what makes me motivated so i don't know stuff like people really love youtube content like lorgasm and shit and i don't deliver on that i do like once one every month or two and it's like that could that's something people honestly really enjoy that i uh put on the back burner so i think my biggest regret would be organization and spreading myself too thin on too many projects if wow, i i was i was gonna say the yeah. same i was gonna flame you about being the most unorganized person i've ever met but you hit the nail on the head slacks i'm glad you you're I mean, seeing the light in a way it's not organization though it's just i'm not happy unless i have 10 things going on in the background you know and it's like when you are only motivated by new challenging things, whenever you make something that people like, it falls to the wayside and it's that sucks for people that like it. That's where your fans <clears> come <throat> from. So I don't know. I got to do something to change that. I don't know how to change that. So I guess we'll find out one day. Well, just, just to give uh, people an idea. Fuck up some new things. Yeah, I guess well, he so. can do that very easily. <laughs> to give people yeah. an idea of how unorganized Slacks has been, just keep in mind, just picture how busy he is, right? Super busy all the time doing events, doing all this other, all these other projects. He did not start using a calendar until a few weeks ago. Is that correct? 
I still, I lied. I still don't use the God calendar. God damn it. You use <laughs> the fucking calendar. calendar, you idiot. Shit just Jesus comes. Christ. Shit I mean, just maybe, comes. What's going on tomorrow? Is that why you run so many projects? Because if you have enough random things going on, then there's something on the day that you have no idea what's going to be and somebody randomly sends you a message and you're like, oh yeah, that one. Yeah. He that wakes up, literally... it's like a brand every new day, day every day. three things and I don't know what any of them are <laughs> <laughs> until All I'm right. told. All right, let's get into Midas mode too. So this is your baby. Oh boy, uh, yeah. Very stressful time. This, I mean, I'll give my perspective. I Cinder can give his perspective as a player as well. But take us through Midas mode. You worked on it for nine months, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. So how do you think it went? Take us through the days. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, as of course, I, said, by, it, I should my... say, if you guys want a more detailed viewpoint, he has. you have a vlog on your channel as well. Oh, yeah, sure. Which whatever. I did watch last through. night. Thank you. We, yeah, I, go, I have a blog on my YouTube that kind of goes from inception stages all the way up to after the event so. it's a vlog not a blog by the way whatever <laughs> uh i don't know minus mode was something that uh whew, it just feels weird talking about it. i can't believe it's over it's been like my life for a really long time um it came from this desire to want to try something new and challenging as someone who works as talent at all these esports events you don't really understand what it takes to put one on uh you could see you know tastes of it as talent you can see people working but you don't know what actually it means and uh what i got really interested in event organization i, I got interested from working at ti uh after ti6 and ti7 i saw this and was like what does it take to actually put on the best esports show in the world so i got really obsessed with that and um, i asked valve if i could work with them on ti8 and ti9 as kind of like planning how the show went, planning the content, being in the back scenes and kind of helping to build that show. And then I thought, what would I change for my own tournament if I had to put one on? So Midas Mode 1 was uh, an extension of that just because uh, Z Freak came up with this idea. He DM'd me and he, after watching Elimination Mode, he said, hey, what if you had something that had to do with like money, like what they do in the NFL? So we came up with that. And then Midas Mode 2 was how do I take an online tournament? How do I throw something for fans? The LAN aspect was the big focus because uh, I've been to so many tournaments in esports. And I think people fuck it up so much for the live audience experience. It's like so weird. VIP sections are just you sit closer to the screen and that's it. And the weirdest thing about our medium is that the most the optimal way to view esports is at home. On your computer, you have three monitors, two monitors. You're watching something. You're tuning into the games. You're watching something. Twitch chat is there. And it's so strange because why don't we find better ways to integrate our audience into this medium that has, is built on integration? You can't have a fan run onto a soccer field and kick a soccer ball with these people. But you can do that in virtual gaming. And it was just this idea of, why don't we cater more to the live audience? Why don't we cater more to the audience that's watching and integrate them into a product in a fun way uh, that does something? So that was kind of the basis of almost trying to show the world that there is like a way to do more with the fans that make these events happen um, in a show. And then it grew from that into this uh, big event and things got, things got fucking crazy. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be this... <laughs> you know, big thing that like, oh, Jesus, there's news articles being written about it and shit. And it was just us trying to build something that was new and funny and interesting. 
as like a a flagship product for what could become from interactivity. And then it became this thing where it was like we had to prove that tier two scenes are worthwhile and shit. <laughs> it, it got fucking nuts. So, uh, yeah, from beginning, I would say v- things were extremely smooth until the DPC thing, and then things got fucking nuts. So, uh, yeah. Uh, woo! What was your, so you were, lessons, you were doing content at the time for Kennedy Space Center, and you hear about yep. the DPC season essentially overlapping with Midas <laughs> mode. First reaction. <laughs> I'm at dinner, I can imagine uh, with the uh, the big boys over at uh, Kennedy Space Center, like the guys who like own all this stuff. We find out about this announcement. At first, I didn't know it was that bad because I just thought, oh, there's some qualifiers. And again, we put those times in that schedule, knowing that there might be some kind of conflict. But it was either going to be a conflict with a major, which is great because we just have a bunch of tier two teams playing, no problem, or it's going to be a conflict with a minor which is great because then the pro teams can't come, the tier one teams, and then it's all tier one. So either way, we know that we'll be okay. There'll be right. still teams. It'll still be a good time. So I just heard that there were some qualifiers. It was super stressful. Purge was there. Not helpful at all, by the way, Mr. Purge. <laughs> I love Kevin with all of my heart, but his fucking analytical mindset is just like, you do realize that we are absolutely, there is zero way to come back from this. Do you not? <laughs> What? No, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. What I didn't realize is that it was both the majors and the minors. Basically, if you played Dota 2, you were not going to do anything else on those days. So it was bad, bad time. And it's like, we're at Kennedy Space and we're at in Florida with the guys that are paying for the tournament. And they're like, so we saw some news today. How's everything looking? I'm like, it's great. It's good. We'll be fine. Literally, my phone is blowing up during this thing with all the teams that confirmed to go, hey, we're dropping. This is fucking, I'm sorry, but there's zero way we could play. I mean, there's like other yeah. sponsors contacting us, sending us like emails where sections are highlighted in bold and red saying, what exactly is this going to do? <laughs> It was I mean, that's bad. basically was probably... the third party tournament organizer's nightmare, right? Because yeah. there's not really a good time to run a tournament because the DPC season takes up the no. entirety of the year. We tried doing it one earlier in the year, but it just didn't work out because of all the time constraints and whatnot. And the teams just didn't want to come during that time. So, like, all right, sure. post TI is the best time. We all agreed on it. There's no better time because there's a reshuffle. It means that, yeah, some teams might not be fully formed, but at least it has an interesting mix, right? Yeah. But I think it made it even worse that this shuffle in particular is so oh, much worse crazy. than any other year because yes. half the players aren't playing till fucking December anyway. It's ridiculous. Right, right. It was the biggest, I think the biggest reshuffle that there's ever been in Dota um, because OG won two in a row. Like everyone knew that their teams weren't working. There was no like, hey, you know, we can work on it a little bit better and we'll be back next time. Like every fucking team got wiped. VP got wiped. Liquid change rosters is fucking nuts. So uh yeah, not only did we have the most violent reshuffle period of all time, I would I think in Dota 2, but then also this qualifier thing that shit was crazy, man. Um so yeah, those were very stressful days at the Kennedy Space Center. We'd like film a bit, and every time that there was any kind of rest, I would just look down and start going <sighs> and Bird is be right next to me. Are you going to vomit? Is this about the teams? <laughs> Is the event over, do you think? I'm not sure how, if we could ever recover from something like this. <laughs> but he was, in a way, he's 
much like my wife. My wife does the same thing, and I, I actually kind of thrive off oh, so that. So at least it's, you were experienced with that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love my wife to death, but we call her the world's greatest therapist because if I have a problem and I say it to my wife, she has the opposite. She goes like, if I'm like, baby, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this. She goes like, what are you going to do? Oh, my God. You're never going to make it through this. And then she just starts crying. And the reaction is so... Like it's so Over the intense, top. it actually gets funny, <laughs> and then it's like I have to calm her down, which calms me down. So first was the same way. Just like, <laughs> I believe that everything in this world is is kind of fucked for us now. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, chill. We'll figure it out, dude. Chill. So it was actually right. very helpful. But, uh, so fast forward to what happened with Valve. They they changed the DPC dates. Did you talk with them? How did that work? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to say something, but I, I can't. That would be really, really stupid of me. So, Don't do uh, it, then. All right, I won't do that. But uh, I will say that uh, we there was some communication, and obviously it was the outcry of the community. I mean, I'm not afraid to say the community saved that event. Uh, it is without a doubt. Uh, however, I will say that Valve was very proactive. When they found out there was an issue, contacted straight away, and basically they just said, we want to... We need. We'll find a way to fix this. So they Trust didn't know, us. right? They didn't know that there were even conflicts. Uh, it's it's hard for me to say without making anyone look bad, but <clears throat> Valve is very. Uh, uh, they have a lot of departments that are working on different things, um, and uh, you know, guy A who does something might not know about guy B and might not know about anything that's existing. So uh, it's uh, yeah. I will say that. Sometimes people make mistakes, but if there's one company that does really good at trying to mend those mistakes when they need to as fast as possible, it's them. So got a message from them, and they said, hey, obviously something's, you know, something needs to be done, and we will fix it. And that was basically like the message. It was, hmm. give us 48 hours. We will find a way to make this right for everyone. And, uh, I mean... I don't know literally any other company that would do that. Like you think fucking Riot's going to contact a third party tournament and be like, Hey, we'll fix this. They'll be like cease and desist letter. Here you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway. pretty much they don't, they don't really need to contact third parties because they don't exist anymore. So yeah, that's, exactly. that's true. They, they so flushed it was them out like, long ago. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it certainly says something. And I will say one complaint about the Dota 2 community. They, they save Midas mode, but it seems like every time Valve tries to do something nice for the community, there's always this big uproar. Like, you guys remember when BSJ held his Underlords tournament? Mm, it was like yeah. $5,000, a random Valve employee Auto gave $5,000. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. Everybody was so fucking mad about that. I mean, where's all that anger when you're talking about, like, they need to support the Tier 2 scene and shit like that? They, they've tried in the past to support small tournaments and small new ideas, and people get all caught up in the anger of, oh, they're they're making exceptions for this guy. This isn't fair. So I don't know. Uh, small rant, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was it was very comforting to hear that they gave a bunch of options for how they could fix that, and uh, the ramifications of that whole thing was still felt. But it was, you know, God do what He got to do. I'm not the only person in the world. In fact, I'm a very small fry uh, with the obligations that they were talking about the DPC organization for the entire year it's a fucking insane that they would actually move an entire year's <laughs> worth of dpc qualifiers like flush that schedule for a third party tournament so um it's nuts i mean so they yeah they move the dates uh -huh. and they end up advertising the tournament on the front page of dota <laughs> which i am 
I'm going to say this with pretty high confidence. I don't think it's ever been done for any third-party tournament ever. Right? I'm almost positive. Uh, I don't know. Back when they used to have like chests and stuff, I think they did it. I think they advertised stuff was going on back Well, that's, when... di- that's different. Um, a Dota tournament. tells me they might have done it back with like the defense. like, But that's yes. very early on in Dota. Okay. Back that's when possibly, there was like pretty much no other I tournaments, think, like, right? The but, first yeah. DAC or something they like when they had a compendium yes, and shots. I think so too. Like that. But it has well, been a long time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Almost it is, unprecedented. It still is something exceptional, especially in the last few years. It broke our website. Yeah. Our website yeah, was just down instantly. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, so, and nobody asked for that. It was just like them saying, "Hey, you know, we want to we want to tell people about the tournament and stuff, and uh, you know, showcase it. Is it cool if we do this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, of course." But again, that. It really changed the uh, the flow of the tourney to be like this little thing that I was working on to this. They moved the fucking DPC and it's on the front page of Dota thing. Yeah. Expectations were fr- through the roof. And don't get me wrong, if we nailed those expectations, if we fucking came out swinging, that could have been an incredible life-changing thing. But eh, it's not a fairy tale. It was never meant to be something that compared to the DPC. It was meant to be a, a little thing about a small audience and... That's it. So well, okay. Yeah, let, let's get into the tournament in a second. Just one more thing before we get into the actual sure. how everything went. Uh, Gabe Newell yeah. himself sent two videos saying, "Welcome to Midas mode." How the fuck does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, me and Gaben have a special relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I mean, he, we work together, you know, making stuff for like TI and stuff. And the last time that I talked to Gabe, I was talking about Midas mode and my idea for my tournament. And I talked to him about the VR Roshan and he got super interested in the VR Roshan and all that stuff. And uh, he actually came up with the idea for the creep takeover. That was him saying like, oh, why don't you have people take over creeps? Wouldn't it be cool if you had like people come in and do that? So that was nuts that he actually gave me the time of day to talk about it. And then he had this he had this idea where he says, you know what? What you should really do with that VR Rashawn is have people come in as celebrities. I'll come in as a celebrity. And I said, <laughs> what? You'll go to Midas mode as Roshan? Are you crazy? And he's like, yeah, I got nothing, whatever. <laughs> Send me an email. I'm like, what? <laughs> so a week before the tournament, I'm like, all right, why not? I sent him an email. I was like, hey, Gabe, as you said, you know, I shoot over an email. I'm sure you were just being nice. And then he sent over something else, and he goes, hey, my schedule's really packed. Sorry, but I'll send you a video. And then he just took a video of himself <laughs> in his office and sent it over. <laughs> and Game Newell is literally everything that everyone thinks he is. He is literally just one of us, a gamer that became a billionaire. What a fucking god, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. And that's all, all right. I'm going to say about that. All right, so moving on to the actual event, take us through each respective day because I watched your no. blog and I, I mean, I live, <laughs> I live, I live through this tournament as well, and I oh. will have to agree with you that every single day there were multiple times where we're like, all right, this tournament actually might not even go on anymore. There was always like a disaster. <laughs> I have never been involved. Like Captain's Draft was the most stressful I've ever been, and this I'm sure was yeah. the most stressed you've ever been. I was quite stressed myself. Can only imagine what it was like for you, but these fucking disasters piled on, over and fucking over, and then Cinder wins the tournament and ruins everything. Yeah, Take thanks. us through it. 
I says, holy shit. I mean, you think you're ready. You think you've like play tested everything. You think you're good. Everything's solid. Let's have a nice day one. There's never been a day one on any eSport event that went smooth or according to plan. I mean, even TI has fuck-ups on day one, mm. uh, especially on like their group stage before their main event. There's issues. But holy shit. Every single day of this tournament, it was a fucking apocalypse about to happen. It was literally like, Slack, solve this problem in 10 minutes, or we are done. It is over. Ah, God, the custom game not zooming out on day one. The uh, creeps giving six gold per kill. I mean, uh, heroes giving gold per kill. Holy shit, where did that stuff come from? Custom maps, man. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do custom maps. Yeah, so just to be transparent, like custom games are, there's so many problems with them right now. Uh, Valve did help us out a lot, so we appreciate it to them for doing all that they could. I'm going to send like an email in the next couple of days with every single thing that I think that they could improve on to, you know, make it easier. Because if we had a choice, and I don't want to jump the gun here, Slacks, maybe you disagree. If we had to do a custom game tournament, I I actually don't think it's possible. It's it's not worth the efforts uh, unless certain things were fixed. You could do a custom game tournament on land. I will say that. The okay, biggest thing true. that killed us was that it was online. Uh, because you have to have you have to communicate with these teams. If one person doesn't have the map installed correctly, they have to reinstall it. You have to product solve for them. It takes 40 minutes to get into a game. It's fucking nuts. So uh, that tournament could have never existed if it was land. It's way too expensive to do a land. Uh, it had to be online only. But whew, don't do custom games online, guys. There's a reason right. they play Dota. Just don't. Yeah, I mean... Thank you to again. I said this a million times, but the fans helped us to, uh, stress test the oh, map, which we literally could not. We need twenty four people to test the map properly, so it was it was very hard. Okay, so not to make you relive every day, but your vlog you did mention some of the disasters. I want yeah. the whole list off the top of your head. Everything that went I wrong. literally, I, uh, it, it's like a car. You ever hear those stories about like you know people with a car crash and they watch one of their loved ones die? <laughs> And they don't remember waking up that day. I, I don't remember any of this. It's a fucking blur. I don't even know if it happened. All right. So day one, we have uh, 55,000 viewers in for the uh, opening of the match. We cannot zoom out. All the heroes are giving out four gold apiece. Uh, the Russian broadcasters who are in the same observer slot as us. Yep. Everything works great for them. They're in the lobby and the same thing for us. We're trying to figure out why. The creeps do not work in some ways. The Everything is... We fucking tested this shit the night before. No idea. So we switch over to the normal map. The copy pasta slacks. We will not complain. Please go back to the normal map. So day one killed us. And it was... Uh, we. I don't think we ever got... We did actually pass those numbers once during the uh, Navi OG game. Uh, I think we made it up to 65,000 viewers. And that was like day two. But uh, yeah, so, oh wait, I forgot, before the tournament starts, one of the teams won't confirm the schedule until eight hours before the tournament starts. Mm-hmm. What, in what universe is that okay? <laughs> like, I, you know how much stress you're under when like sponsors are like, so when does the tournament start? So I, I also need to preface this by saying that Slacks is, and I know that you love putting, like you want to be in charge of everything, I understand that, but your delegation is not your strong point. So you've... No. You've had contact with all these teams. You've done all this work, and you never passed it off to anyone. So you're doing all of this while being talent and making sure everything yeah. is running smoothly, right? Continue. Yeah, bad idea, bad idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So day one, we're, we're product solving, and we're trying to salvage that. Day two, I, I literally can't remember. I have to go on Wikipedia. It, it 
it is all the, a blur. It, that was the OG Navi series, I believe. Which was good. They both played it very well. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. You're going to have to fill some time for me while I look up the days here, pal. Well, Start talking. We Close your... the, the map itself was just breaking all the time. Like It was just so hard to... Like There's some things we could have probably done to prepare ourselves a little bit better for the beginning of the tournament. But wow. I still stand by the fact that more than half of the issues we were having, we would have never found unless we had people at the venue helping us actually test the stuff. Because it's like putting in eight extra creeps that are controlled by humans in a game. That's harder than it sounds because it breaks so many different things. Like you change one little thing. Like, for example, we had Sadim screens and he would occasionally, our map guy would just update it and it would break something else that isn't related at all. Like Roshan would just stop working, for example. So it was just this endless like fucking tug of war with these bugs in the map to eventually like in day five not to jump ahead but we just stopped updating the map We're like all right this is the stable version we will be done and the biggest thing <laughs> the biggest thing that hurt us which is something i'm going to be talking to val about hopefully uh because we were not aware of this because i have a lot of experience with custom games but this i believe was put in during the summer scrub which i wasn't aware of but when you upload a public mod when you make a mod from private private to public it takes like one to two hours for somebody at valve to okay it essentially that was never a thing it would just work immediately back like literally like three months ago or whenever it was so we weren't aware of this and apparently when you revert back like let's say there's a bug in the map which happened to us and you revert back to a stable version that was already accepted by valve it still needs to go through that one to two hour period where somebody manually has to accept it so this gave us a huge amount of complications. That means we cannot update during the actual day at all, which kind of sure. ruins but like I half mean, of our plans. You know, in what fucking universe is that a priority for Valve? Who the hell is running <laughs> custom game modes on tournaments? Like literally no one before, and probably no one after. So right. I mean, it's <laughs> well, like who it, cares? It's, it's not Two even. It also, yeah, it, it's less about me blaming Valve. It's more about us. Literally not knowing that was a thing because it right. wasn't a thing three months ago, right? Until three but months. But it, sure, it, sure, sure. it does sound like a necessary evil that they had to implement, right? And I'm yeah. sure they had I a lot of the, porn being submitted or whatever. Yeah, the, the reason they the reason they pushed it was that people were. I think it was also try an attempt at a countermeasure against. Do you remember this time on on Steam when every day there would be like the yeah. top uploads or whatever would be free dragon claw hooks, you know, exactly. blah, blah, blah. No. So they probably put this in that they need manual approval because no automated system can guarantee that this map does not have some sort of, you know, secondary motive in it rather than just having people have fun playing the game. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get why they do it. It just, for yeah, this I think specific this is, situation, it sucks. But I think I'm the glad, idea of doing that is a good solution, sure. honestly. I'm glad we went through this so. because I have a list that we can send Valve that I think they're going to find really helpful because like things like whitelisting mods that you know are fine, especially ones that are reverted back to an original version that was already accepted. Mm -hmm. That sounds like something easy they could probably do that would alleviate a lot of the issues. Anyway, continue. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, we had issues. We had uh, Habost. I told him months before, he says, hey, can I stream? And I'm like, hey, you, you can stream, uh, I guess. But uh, you have to shout out our sponsors. I got to give you an overlay. And then <laughs> the day comes, day two comes. And my boy, Havos. Oh, and I forgot, we sold Russian rights to the tournament the day that we started. I think like eight hours before we started. Um, we sold Rus uh, rights for Russian. So uh, he's like, ah, I'm not going to play. Like, well, what do you mean I could play? It's like, well, you know, you said I could stream, and now you're telling me to not stream. And I was like, well, I said you could stream. If you could add the overlays, then you could stream. And he goes, oh, yeah, I didn't read that. <laughs> can I stream anyway? I'm like, well, 
really? <laughs> so it's like day two, we have, uh, you know, a team might drop. Um, OG versus TI3 Alliance was fine. That went off without a hitch, except for some people not showing up. Then we have uh, the uh, North Americans on day two. Team Anvor, Anvor Gesa can't load the map on any of their PCs. We th- okay, we thought it was them. It was actually Envy. But it was though. actually... <laughs> Actually, Eternal Envy couldn't wouldn't, couldn't load the map, so all his Problems anime shit breaking the map. Yeah, so uh, this is literally ten ten minutes before the series starts. Team wants to drop. Team can't load the map. There was never any warning for this stuff. Day three, uh, I think day three was a nice day. I don't remember what happened on that day, but still more issues. That's a good it. thing. I, well, teams nice were breaking up like every day as well, right? Like every day there was right. Something. Oh, that's right. Day three was when Beast Coast. Disbanded. <laughs> God, we can't play our game. We disband. Also, one of our players is on JSTORM, who's also in the tournament. Good luck in figuring that one out. Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. It just didn't end. Um, you know, and then we got into China later. Burning's team gets hit with a typhoon. Ah, right. Day four, <laughs> yeah, the typhoon. Two and a half hours where Steam is completely down for mm. all games. Yeah. We had uh they had some qualifiers over on Team Papegas for ESL. We'd been working with ESL all week. They've been nothing but helpful. They said we'll move our game three and a half hours later. No issues there. Everyone should be good. I'm like, great. The only there's nothing that could fuck this up unless there's a three hour steam <laughs> off. Oh, so yeah, that series is dead. Then we moved to China. Burning's oh wait, you missed. There was hit. there was a Steam update oh. at one or the Dota update. The Dota Plus update broke the map as well temporarily. So we had to get Valve to yes. fix that specifically. It's like anytime an update comes out, it just ruins custom maps. I don't know why. Right, there was a bug where if you had more than twenty four pers- people in a map, it would die at thirty two minutes. Yes. So we had to decide <laughs> a very less- specific bug. <laughs> yes. So we had to. We had five minutes. Oh. Do we go for the custom map? Or do we play regular map for the rest of the day? And we're all sitting there in the fucking green room. Timer's on 31 minutes. I'm just holding on the couch. Please, God. Because it's a custom map, you can't go back in. If yeah. it dies and you don't rejoin the lobby, whoop, it's over. Man. You have to well, start it, from scratch. You can because it's dedicated server. But this would literally crash the server itself. So the that's server. Like, yeah, it's There's no crazy. return. So I, had, I just made the call. I said, let's fucking do it and see what happens. <laughs> So anyway, we got to China. Uh, Burning gets typhooned. His team is out. Um, <laughs> he's dead. He just gets typhooned. Uh, it's over. <laughs> E-Home uh, doesn't understand the creeps. They think that we're just being fucked up and having evil Western players block all their creep camps for no reason. And they're quite upset. So we have to explain the creeps. Uh, Vichy Gaming wants to go and do, you know, they have to go to their qualifiers. I forgot Navi held us hostage for a little bit which was a lot of fun i think it was a really good idea people might think that that was like a negative thing for me i thought it was great it was like in the spirit of midas mode to like make things crazier and all that stuff so uh yeah it was um oh and then vichy gaming with the grand finals the best of one <laughs> just that was the I, best after that all was of this stuff that happened i thought we were through it <laughs> No, China's been great so far, guys. They're actually playing the mode correctly. No one's complaining. Yeah, the typhoon sucks, but you know that that's something that, that it wasn't our issue. We couldn't have done anything about it. And then Beachy's like, eh, how about a best of one? I don't know the best of one. We got a scrim, by the way. That was the fucking reason. They have a fucking okay. scrim. 
Well, they had to scrim for a major qualifier, so I understand. I know, but still, still, still. I'm very thankful for all the teams that came. Not shit-talking <laughs> anybody here. Thank you. I, I'll shit-talk for you. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. Don't shit-talk. So, <laughs> uh, just walking okay. on that stage. Sweet Jesus. But I guess that's it, it's a testament to what it's like throwing a Tier 3 tournament. There's no threat you can do. You can't say, well, we're taking away your prize pool. Then they go, okay. I mean, <laughs> that's like, what are you fucking... Oh, no, yeah. we lose $5,000 a person. Who fucking cares? And we want to still show a tournament for our sponsors, for our viewers. So we have to... You know, it's uh, the whole tournament, a Tier 3 tournament is just a hostage situation with teams. And do whatever they want, whenever they want, and there's really nothing you can do about it. So uh, I knew that going in. I didn't know to the extent of that going in. I didn't right. know that... A team can just say, hey, instead of doing a best of five grand finals, how about a best of, we make it a best of three, and the other team win, wins one and we win one. Why would you want to do that on a best of three? That doesn't make sense. But that's what they want. So you just do that. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, the tournament, yeah. so you have to understand, like, behind the scenes, Slacks, me, and everybody else were kind of stressed out, especially the first couple of days. We were not in good moods. But, like, we always end up looking at the negatives a lot of the time, especially as it's happening. So, for example, like the map breaking, everything, like I think Slacks hit it on the head. The expectations were definitely too high for the tournament itself. It was just we've never had this much anticipation for something that we've run before. It's literally in the front page of Dota, for God's sake. But all in all, I think it was personally, and you can speak your opinion as well if you'd like, and then we'll get the player perspective with Sindarin. I think the tournament was definitely a success. I think it was definitely a letdown in some levels. We learned a shit ton, and I think going forward we can, you know, take that knowledge and do a much better job. But I think the VIP experience that you wanted, which some of it I thought was really stupid, ended up making me look like an idiot because that was the best thing about the tournament, not even remotely close. Every single person I talked to at the event, and I know, you know, they're going to, I don't think they're really sugarcoating. You can really just tell they're genuinely very happy to be there, uh, helping us out with the map, being involved with the Roshan VR, with the creeps. Yeah. Like they were having a really fucking good time. And, that's something that you just don't experience at literally any event. Like even if I go to an NBA game, I don't experience that kind of shit. So I think that's one thing yeah. we nailed for sure. I think that uh, the tournament was a huge success um, because, again, the original concept was how do we show the world what we can do with esports, how we can integrate fans into a product and show the interconnectivity. And hearing like fans come up and say, that was the greatest thing I've ever done. I was stacking creep camps for Thompson. And he was like, good job, little creep. You're really doing it. I love you. <laughs> like, that's insane. And uh, the whole point of Midas Mode 2 was making an experience for live audience members. And that's what it always was. And everything else was, you know, bonus of it being online. But uh, the real goal was to change how people look at like what a VIP and a live attendee experience should be. And fucking nailed it we didn't nail other things uh, the online experience probably could have been better with the uh the map and all that jazz i didn't learn one very important thing i did not know was that north american dota people do not give a fuck about and that sucks uh <laughs> i mean there's a reason that there's no big tournaments in na that was a big reason i did my because i wanted to land in na uh because ti was gone and no one else was throwing them from what i knew and it's just god it feels awful. Nobody cares about North American teams unless it's EG. And it's like EG's earned that by being the only stable North American organization yet. Uh, but it's just, yeah, they they played very good games, really good games. 
and uh, people I are think, care uh, less. So. I think that could maybe change in the next few months, <laughs> just because we've had a lot of roster shuffles. You know, Samail has his own team now. Sure. Jay Storm has actually put a, together a pretty good roster. It's just nothing was fully formed technically, right? So yeah, EG wasn't in it, obviously. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, NA is a weird region. I mean, uh, it's like there's it's a very vocal minority. I think. There's just not that many people that watch it, but there's a lot of people that say good things about it. So I don't know. Anyway. So for NA, J Storm won. For EU, Cinderin's team, which we'll get to right now. Dean Stunners won. And then for China, Vici Gaming, after holding us hostage, won the tournament. (laughs) They were still, let me remind you that we asked all the tier one teams from China who would come. They're the only ones that said yes. So people, you know. don't shit talk Vici Gaming. They give us the fucking time of day. What t- what place did those guys get at TI? Top eight? And they said, yeah, we'll do this fun tournament we have no idea about, and we'll give you our time of day, which is incredible. So big shout out to them. Happy that we could make it work in some way. But yeah, I think the only other thing I need to learn that I learned from Midas Mode was the identity. It was never meant to be a meme tournament when we started with Midas Mode 1. It was supposed to be a competitive new game mode like Elimination Mode. But the tournament fucking, the economy was so god-awful and Midas <laughs> Mode won it, we had to make it a meme tournament because it was mm. horrible. I think our biggest mistake this year was we did the economy right. It was <laughs> it was actually playable. So half the teams came in there looking for meme garbage because they saw Midas Mode won, and then the other half was like, hey, let's get cool on this economy. Let's figure it out. And the identity of the tournament was very split between yeah. try hard not try hard but just like people wanting to succeed at the game mode and people wanting to have fun so next time i have to choose if it's going to be economy yeah. or if it's going to be crazy i so, think the economy for my side was very good i think the wins gave too much that's the one mistake we probably made but i think yeah. it was also looked at from a very like if this was a month-long season it would have been right. perfectly fucking balanced problem is it's right. condensed into a short amount of time which that's maybe one mistake we made. Uh, Sindarin, All right. you were the player. Give it to me, Sind. I've never got? heard a single player talk about Midas Mode 2. Hit me. Yeah. Be so, brutally honest. I'm, I mean, first of all, I think some of the stuff you said I very much agree with. I think the what I would say the shortest way I can explain the success of this tournament is that I think it was proof of concept, which is what you were going for. So you basically said the exact same things I would have said. I think it proved that it works. I think it proved that a lot of the ideas are good, are functional. Uh, and that it can be fun to to both play and watch. I had a great time playing it. Um, the main thing I think I maybe from my perspective should be talking about, outside of obviously the bugs and shit, right? We were, I think we were the team in the EU that was most unlucky because we had the opening series where we got fucked by heroes <laughs> not giving gold while we were playing Bounty Hunter and, you know, all these <laughs> things. Uh, didn't it help though didn't bounty hunter actually give you money though we i i don't know man i remember <laughs> i talked to the others we were, after the games we were like guys what happened this was really weird bambo was like i don't fucking know man i have 12 kills on tiny and i'm seventh on net worth <laughs> <laughs> you know we were like this is not fair this is not good so, so i was like okay i mean um what i will say though i think i definitely agree with what you were talking about with um the expectation of teams because when I saw the economy and the way that it worked, I was like, this this looks like something we can be strategic about and that will be fun in itself to figure the mode out and play it correctly. It's like, it's a, it's a competitive mindset, right? We went in, we wanted to play good Dota, we wanted to have fun, but at the same time, we're going to look at it and be like, okay, how do we make money? How do we make Moonbucks in the system so that we go to as far as the tournament as we can without being fucking broke? Mm. Um, so we... 
from my perspective, this year, the economy was infinitely better than last year, where it felt like it didn't even matter almost or last time. I don't remember which year it was. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, the the economy was was much, much better. And the one thing Suns fans said that wins could be worth less, I definitely agree with. I think you could incentivize doing bounties a bit more and winning a bit less. But again, yep. it really depends on what you're going for. Because if what you were going for was a competitive mode where teams are trying to win, victory should be worth something. And it should be mm-hmm. a substantial amount so that people are trying to win rather than fucking around. Unless if your goal with the tournament is that teams fuck around. Because in that case, change the economy by a lot and make bounties everything. And make heroes fucking expensive. So that you have to be a clown every game to afford heroes or whatever. Um, the tricky thing about that, is, which is what we saw last season, was that if you make things really expensive and clowny, people just end up randoming anyway. And then they just fuck yeah. around, right? So then the economy didn't even matter that the last time. Everybody was just randoming uh, for free. So <laughs> I just I just think the striking the balance in something like this is exceptionally hard. And that's why I think the biggest takeaway from the tournament, more than the economy, is just were the fans having fun, right? Like, mm-hmm. was it enjoyable for them to be there? Did they have fun with the way you did the audience interaction and did they have fun with the type of content that it was and everything i've seen with the feedback from the community was that people thought it was really fun but it fucking sucked that there was so much downtime and that was just out of your control unfortunately it's just in the end it's gonna look like you guys were incompetent but you just had a really bad hand like you just you just dealt problems from fucking natural disasters to the game <laughs> crashing. You're like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? You know? so I, from my from my point of view, you did an excellent job, and I had a lot of fun with it. So I hope oh, I hope sweet. people and you don't get discouraged by some of the setbacks because I think the good things definitely outweigh it, and that maybe some of the lessons that you learned from Midas Mode can be used in other tournaments. I think that's what use what's useful too is this kind of interaction with the fans can maybe be brought into a different type of structure than just Midas mode, right? Like it can inspire you to make it more fun to go to lands, right? That's what you want. Yep. That was the goal. So uh, thanks for those kind words. Yep, Cinder. That's appreciate good. It. Good and job. I think that, uh, oh, thank you. But I think <laughs> that uh, as the old, you know, adage says, f- not doing something right, failing at something makes it infinitely easier to know how to do it better next time. So, yep. Um, yep. I think that uh, without those big downtimes from having players have to install the map and shit and not knowing what's going on and having 50-minute panels, you can fix that. You got more times for next time. So we'll see. We'll see if there's a Midas Mode 3. I will definitely have to forget how horrifically painful it was for <laughs> nine months to put on Midas Mode 2 before I do Midas We'll do mode Elimination mode. mode next. How's that sound? That's- Yay! That's my that's my boy right there. Okay, so let's finish up with a little trivia. All right. Oh. Now that we've talked about Midas okay. mode, uh, some of these might be a little easy for you guys. I apologize in advance. You might have spoiled some of them already. But uh, this is for Slacks. What is Cinderin's most played hero? Night Stalker. Incorrect. It is Clockwork with three hundred and seventy five matches, fifty two percent win rate. I'm actually okay. shocked. 52. The most hero that's... is three seventy five matches wow that's crazy yeah i'm very uh it's kind of funny in a in in a little bit of a way i see the thing from slacks that he talked about like i love in dota i'm not the kind of person that will spam a hero 50 games in a row i will play it and then when i feel like okay now i have the now i get it 
I think my last spammy phase was Mars because I was just having so much fun when the hero came out mm -hmm. and I was having really good success winning a lot of games and still I was like, okay, now I want to play something else. Yeah, so right. like my my most played heroes are like very widespread. The only thing they kind of share for the most of them is that it's not AFK farmers. I just love fighting, you know, doing stuff right. on the map is fun. So Sitter, what, what did you think it was going to be? That what do you think you're before he said that? What were you thinking? Who did you think you had the most on? Uh, the moment he said it, I was thinking about competitive Dota, so I was already oh, on okay. the wrong track. Mm. I was thinking, what have I? Yeah, this is most this is just for I Dota. I kind of know what my page looks like. Uh, but yeah, Clockwork. All is right. So Cinderin, definitely the one. What is yeah. Slack's most played hero? <laughs> I'm gonna go with Omni Knight just because Techies came out so much later. Correct. So Omni. How many okay. matches do you think he's nice. played? Uh. And what win rate? Oh, Give a guess. wait. I think I actually remember this. There was this it was the fabled thousandth game or something. One thousand? Okay. Thousand thirty-five. Very close. And okay. what win rate? Fifty-seven percent. Sixty point nine seven percent. Holy shit. Very good. good. Yeah, that is really that's good. That's a very good psych degree <laughs> right there. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> Slacks. Name one yeah. hero that Cinderin has not played. This is not for competitive again. This is just pubbing. Uh oh, this is gonna be embarrassing. Uh I would Is say... that true? Just be quiet, Cinder. Go ahead, Slacks. He's never Don't... played. It's gotta be a carry. An AFK carry. <clears throat> Somebody that farms a lot. Cinder has never played Naga Siren. Incorrect. He has played every <laughs> hero. <laughs> it was a oh. trick question. Hey! <laughs> Cinder, but, you, okay, I will yeah. say there's a hero I've only played one game. Yes, so maybe you can try against that one. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Who was it? Owen won with this hero, and I think he played it on the A to Z challenge. I think that's the only reason yes, you played it. The only game I've played it was A yeah, to Z. Yeah, one more guess, challenge. Slacks. One more guess. One more. Oh, I'll, I'll give I you a clue. Know. This might, might not help, yeah. but he really hates the design of this hero. Oh. And I, you, you hate this hero too. Actually, with a passion. It's not one of the, the fabled ones. No, it's not the fabled ones. Oh. You probably oh, I actually hate have a lot of games in PA. PA is fun. I That's like why I was PA. surprised. She's a fight and carry. Wind Ranger? Arc Warden. <laughs> I've played a lot of Wind Ranger too. Arc Warden. Yeah. yeah. Zero Makes and one sense. with Arc Warden in the A to Z challenge. All right, Cinderin. I pressed every button and I felt like I did something. So that was Cinderin, name one hero that Slacks hasn't played. I'll give you a clue. There's, There's a only one according to Dota. Oh, is there? Yeah. What a great clue. Now I know which one it is. <laughs> That's your uh, clue. One hero. I was very surprised by this, actually. Just take a wild guess. It's okay. Okay, so it would have to be some a hero that is fun for the enemy team. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that... Please hurry. Zeus. In, oh my god, he plays so much Zeus. I love oh, Zeus. Brown eggs in the mid, baby. It is okay, Monkey King. Monkey oh. King. How is that possible? Right, a new hero that. comes out. This is a relatively new hero, and you've never played it. That's so weird to me. No, it's bro. It's funny. I was there when <laughs> Monkey King came out. I remember I was playing ranked, and it was when he was super broken. Remember the day <laughs> Monkey King came out, and he was yeah. like incredibly was, fucked yeah. up? Yeah. And that's when I made my decree. I would never play new heroes until years later because there's no point in getting good at Monkey King when he's broken. 
they're just going to nerf him, and then you've wasted all that time learning how to play a hero that's worthless now. So, so you're still waiting. He's one of the only survivors. I'm still waiting. Monkey King is still pretty strong. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> when he's nerfed, I'll learn how to play him. All right, this this is for both of you. Name one hero that I have not played, and I'll give you a clue. There are five, apparently. <laughs> Storm Spirit. Incorrect. Oh, oh, Earth Spirit. Earth Spirit is one, yes. Oh, that was actually a really good suggestion, yeah. Uh, Dark Willow? No, I, I like Dark Willow. Oh, you like Dark Willow? Well, I don't play her that much, but the concept I do like, yes. I guess Slack's one already. He got one. Yeah. Whisk. All right, so, no. So, Earth Spirit... Keeper of the Light. What? Yeah, yep. I've never played How? Keeper of the Light. I might. I. <laughs> all right. Zero. To be fair, I played him in Dota One, so I don't know if that counts. Uh, oh. Meepo. I've never played Meepo in Dota One or Two. Oracle. Apparently, I've never played that one. I thought for sure I'd played. And then this one, I did not play in Dota One either. Is Techies. I have never played one game as Techies what? in my That's entire very life. I know. What? wrong with you? I'm a virgin to techie. Thank you, God. You I can't wait to me. pop your bomb cherry, baby. Let's get <laughs> you in there. In A to Z, you told me to play techie specifically, right? I don't remember yes, if you because asked I, for I me still, to play it. I don't want to play the hero I ever. think you did. Yeah. Why? It's probably my worst game of the series. Too. <laughs> Not the Ark Warden <laughs> one. So bad. Though. No, I was so oh, bad. No. Alright, no. last question for each of you. Slacks, can you pronounce Cinderin's real name? Krolls. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Trolls. All right. How about this? Okay, how about we better. both say it and you tell us who does a better job? All right. Right. Okay. All and right, then so I, I say it how again. it sounds in the <clears> end. Oh, you first. Pulse. <laughs> okay. Slex won already. Actually. No. You won already. Pulse. At least Slex pronounced every letter <laughs> in the <your> name. <laughs> stupider every time. <laughs> Kind what of is a prerequisite it? for even being considered as a winner <laughs> is that you pronounce every letter in the name. Trolls. And you didn't even do that. What? The, the R is kind of silent-ish, right? No, Let's it's it. definitely not. Let's hear it. The name... Trolls. 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 Oh, that, was much, that was much better okay, than before. If you would have done the that the first the time, you might have had a chance. But It's the back of the throat. That's, that's what gets me. Okay. Uh, Great trivia, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. What common household food does Slacks hate? Okay, is it like, is it a condiment? No. Or is it like actual, okay, it's something you can eat. Oh. Yes. By itself. Okay. And I would love the story behind this, which you kind of teased. <laughs> I don't think that's a good podcast story. I think it's great. <laughs> Rice. <laughs> Cheese. Really? There's a reason. You don't have to tell the whole story. Just give the summary. So people understand what because there's gonna be a lot of questions. Spark but you milk? like food, but you like yeah. food with cheese, right? You just don't like cheese by itself. He likes pizza, uh, but he takes yeah. cheese off hamburgers. Do you take so cheese I, uh, off mac and cheese? I don't eat mac and cheese. That's oh, disgusting. Okay. Cheese is in the name. Ah, long story short, when I was uh, working at a uh, pizzeria when I was 15, I uh, watched a uh, cheerleader get her hand shredded off in an industrial cheese grater, and uh, didn't like. Well, I, I do love pizza. I just don't like the way that cheese tastes. So, yeah, her arm got it. completely ripped off, right? Her hand. Hand, hand. Yeah. Just the thing. Mid mid thing was good. So ever Straight since down. that, you have not been able to eat cheese other than pizza. I do like pizza. It reminds me of the incident. 
I just don't get cheese. I, I fundamentally, it's like Phantom Assassin. I don't understand oh who made God. that Here stupid fucking hero and thought it was a good idea. I don't understand cheese either. Who was the first guy that walked up to a cow, milked it, let that shit rot, and was like, now I'll eat it. Delicious. I mean, why would well, anyone they were do right. that? No, it's, it's weird. It's like yogurt. I also don't believe in yogurt. You know, yogurt's alive. It changes the inside of your body, like your uh, your stomach, and makes colonies inside it. People think that's good. That's a fucking living organism you're allowing to control your body from the inside. <laughs> and all those yogurt people do is just keep eating fucking yogurt. Two hundred years from now, they'll show that the yogurt is conscious. I don't Let's eat see. that shit. All right. So i I was gonna end the ep- I was gonna end the episode here, but I know people are gonna be angry that I didn't ask this, so you can refuse to talk about it. The Matthew McConaughey story. You teased us. Not telling the Matthew McConaughey I'm, It's time, Slacks. I'm sorry. Why do you hate Matthew McConaughey? The famous uh, actor that has won an Academy Award or at least even? nominated. What? Who is Matthew McConaughey? What the fuck? Have you Dude, watched I In Bruce, Cinderin? Have you watched I it? Know. <laughs> That's what I fucking thought. Okay. Right? I don't know actor names. Okay. I know his face. I just looked it up. I know what it is. Okay. I know who this is. Go on. Go on, please working at the movie theater in uh, high school. The movie Sahara was coming out. Matthew Terrible McConaughey movie. starring. Yeah. Terrible film. Matthew McConaughey starring as some kind of shitty Indiana Jones. Yeah. Anyway, he's on a bus tour uh, going through different uh, states. Advertising is shitty movie uh, across the, the world. And uh, <laughs> he makes a stop in Colorado. Now, I'm at the movie theater, and we have to open up the movie theater at 7 a.m. to make room for the stupid fucking event where Matthew McConaughey comes in. So, obviously, I'm a little ticked off. I'm the only guy who's working. The entire thing are a bunch of chicks, high school chicks, who all love Matthew McConaughey. They're so excited to meet him. They're sitting at their registers, chests out, (laughs) big smiles, praying to God that Matthew McConaughey comes up to them. The thing starts. Now, I am making the special hot dogs. At the, my movie theater, uh, we would always roll a hot dog in under the icing machine at the beginning of the day, and we put it in the hot dog machine for whoever was an asshole. <laughs> so people would be like, sir, allow me to get you a free hot dog. And the hot dog would be upside down in the hot dog thing, and they'd go and grab it, and then give them a hot dog. We all knew that person fucking deserved it. We only have one per day. <laughs> so I was making the special hot dogs underneath the icing machine. Look over at my register, and who is it? Fucking McConaughey looks down at me and he goes, are you this one open? I go, yeah. All the girls are so disappointed. Why would he come over to the only empty register? So I get up, go to McConaughey, orders a medium uh, drink and a medium popcorn. Price is $9.75. (laughs) Give him his money. And I give him back, what, 50 cents instead of 25. And uh, he takes that coin. And I say, oh, uh, Mr. McConaughey, I give you an extra quarter. Can I have that back? As he's walking away, he turns around and he goes, Tch. and he keeps walking. <laughs> that motherfucker took that quarter. Now, this is a high school job. If you're off on your register, you get written up, you get suspended, you get three write-ups, you get fired. This is write-up number two for me. I didn't have a quarter. I couldn't find a quarter. It was seven in the morning. No one was around. I needed that fucking quarter real bad. So I'm pissed off. I can't find a fucking quarter. I do get written up for it. Strike number two on my permanent record. Then they tell us, okay, everyone's in the theater, guys. Everyone can go and watch Sahara with Matthew McConaughey in Auditorium One. 
I don't want to watch that stupid fucking movie and I'm pissed. But I walk in there anyway and there's only one row available. Everyone was too scared to sit next to fucking McConaughey. I'm the last one in because they said I had I had to watch it. Even though I didn't want to, I wanted to stay and not watch it. So I walk up. There's an empty seat between me and McConaughey. He watches me sit down and I give him this look like, fuck you. And I'm watching a stupid movie and that movie sucks ass. So after 10 minutes... I get up and I walk out of the theater and his face when I got up, he was so fucking mad and I was mad and I walk out of the theater because this fucking movie sucked and I sat at my register for the rest of the day. Anyway, the end of the day comes, everyone leaves and McConaughey and his little posse are going down and everyone's shaking their hand as he walks out and everyone's very excited. And I'm the last person in line and I'm like, I've got this motherfucker. When he goes to shake my hand, I'm going to give him a ha, you know? He's walking down the line. He, he makes eye contact with me. I make eye contact with him. I put out my hand. And he's got that stupid actor action hero training. So I start lifting up my hand and he grabs it. He throws it down before I can go, ha! So I go, ha! And he grabs it and then he walks out. And I'm still fucking mad about it. Why would he take my corner? He was so- <laughs> I can get the rest. I understand the rest. I ditched a stupid movie. But why wouldn't he give me back my fucking corner? Huh? Why? I've hated him ever since. He was very good in True Detective, though, which does upset me. Great show. <laughs> Fuck you, McConaughey. <laughs> I want my fucking quarterback, and I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> How can he treat people like that? Oh, God. Thank you. I really needed that. Matthew McConaughey. I'm, hopefully legitimately, he'll Legitimately, every this. time I tell that story, I get actually angry. <laughs> Why would he do that? Can we, um, can we try to get Matthew McConaughey on episode 25 <laughs> so he can yes. tell his side of the story? I would love to hear it, yes. I he think we need to hear his side of this. There's always two sides to the story, Slex. I would, lo- I would love to he hear, would hear his perspective. would never what he did to me. Okay, I'm just a, a little quarter boy among millions. I bet he does it to every fucking person he meets to steal the quarter from him. <laughs> every I bet time he can I get bet a quarter, he, he jerks off on his pile of quarters every night. <laughs> fucking McConaughey. I need closure from this story. Don't tweet at me, McConaughey. I swear to God, I want that fucking quarterback. <laughs> With interest. I want 50 cents now. Oh, dear. Uh, so what, what would you do? What would you do if he sent you a quarter in the mail? I would be over it. I would, I would That's bury it? the you hatchet. Wouldn't, like, you would just... No. I, Sahara sucked. He knows it sucked. I know it sucked. <laughs> he, his career went great. True Detective was great. Interstellar went great. He's been on an upward spiral, and ever since I missed my quarter, my life's been shit. <laughs> so... Give me my fucking quarterback. All right. Thank on that you. note, let us end the episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on episode 20, whatever the fuck this is, Slacks. Do you have any last words for everybody? Uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for uh, watching this podcast. There's very little uh, Dota podcast that actually lasts long. Everyone tries to make one, and then they peter out into non-existence because people stop giving a shit. So uh, thank you for supporting content. Hardly anyone makes this many episodes of a podcast. Trust me, I've been on like four of them that don't make it past episode five. Uh, I so. feel like everything you're a part of dies, though. So maybe we don't true. do another episode after this. You know? yeah. I, I hope we not. Have, we might have to take a quarter of you after this one. Just <laughs> <laughs> It's not a joke. If people start memeing and taking quarters away from me now, I'm going to be legitimately <laughs> angry. I can't wait. All right. All right well, thank, thank you, Slacks, for joining us. Cinder, any final words? No. Thank you. Very eloquent as usual. <laughs> Until next time, Suns fan, Cinderin, and Sir Action Slacks signing out. Goodbye, friends. I've not watched in Bruges.
Einer. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. <lacht> 